I've sold plenty of arts. That's right, a brand new show, episode number one, Unrelenting. I am Darren O'Neill, and uh, you are you a guy? I always forget who you are. I- I'm the other guy. The other guy? Yes. I think officially uh, I am Sir Gene. Unofficially, I'm Gene Nafturiev. Jeff, no, see, that's how most people would go by your full name, not your ranking. Not, that's totally not the case, dude. Most people actually don't go by my full name. Most it's people really hard to, by that? It's, it's hard to spell. and and pronounce when people just meet you on the street and they say hey what's your name you just say sir gene sir gene sir yeah gene. i do actually <laughs> so like, what the, do you know the queen of england well i do in fact no see i didn't know that this could be a story yes were you are you still allowed in england? i mean you're old enough you and the queen are about the same age i think no the queen's 186 she is a bit older than i am a little bit maybe that's possible yes i must probably 124 and but- a half this is the uh, the rebranding of the show that uh, and we finally came up with the right name, I think. I think so. I've been on your ass to get a new name done for like eight months now, so I'm kind of happy this happened. But it's hard. And you're, and you're horrible with names because every time oh, I, I say- get. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I said just how about Gene and Daryl speak? <laughs> right. That sounds good. I think that sounds a lot like yeah. your podcast and the, <laughs> uh, the Daryl and Daryl show from Bob Newhart. and. Uh, Stuff you would have changed your name. To I am Darryl. a fan of Bob Newhart. <laughs> That's a great comedy. Oh, and my other brother, Daryl. Right. Yes. If you could have changed your name, that would have been good. I'm you know, Daryl and Daryl, now that I think about it, is probably a great show name. Yes. And nobody has to be named Daryl. That's the beautiful part of the show. I don't think the actors were actually named Daryl. No, I, but then they're, no. They're, they play characters, you know. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. But gotcha. the, the goal was always to have a name. That mm-hmm. would be somewhat descriptive, somewhat mysterious, as you said. Yeah. Coming up with something that is one word and okay. that the domain was available. In this case, we have unrelenting.show mm-hmm. and I grabbed .net and a couple other ones, but unrelenting.com is somebody just squatting. So that's well, not being used. Squatting. I mean, they're uh, squatting implies somebody else technically owns it and they're sitting on it. I don't think, I don't think they're squatting. I think they just bought a domain that was available, but they're selling it. So I think a lot, right. a lot of these you know, one word sell. domains, that's, that's kind of squatting. If you're buying a domain and you're not using it, I don't know. I've got a probably 60 domains I'm not using. Well, that's understandable. So you're squatting. Don't really call it a squat. Dude, Adam has well over 100 domains. He might be pushing 1,000 domains he's sitting on. Adam Curry, the pod father of No Agenda Adam Curry, fame. the squatter father. Yeah. He was very excited about this show. He said uh, this just moments ago. Ah, gracias. Thank you very much, Darren. That's exciting. You guys got a new show going on with Sir Gene. Yep, yep. I'm not so sure about that title, though. I think it should be something like KGB Propaganda. Ah, you know, everyone's got an opinion, apparently. <laughs> Little KGV propaganda. So now, to, to clarify things, this is officially the um, the the pre-show we're on, right? No, this is the show. Because I kind of like having a pre-show before the show that I'm used to doing. So I think this should officially be the pre-show with a, 
you know, the show starting and let's say an even part of the hour, like zero, zero. Do you want to do like an inception type thing to where, uh, that's not really an inception. It's, it's a just, show. We, you know, usually show. we do a, a free show. show. Then we do the show, which will be sent out to people, uh, as a, uh, RSS feed. And then we do the post show. So the live version, the version that people get to listen to right now gives them a huge bonus beforehand and after the show is recorded while the people that can only listen to the um uh the, uh, the final version the right. download Those version poor right people. they only get the best of the show essentially so it, it's it's going to be a choice it's a toss up would you like the best of or would you like the the full thing well see you like to edit shows so if you had your way we would do like a 3 hour show and you would edit it down to like 30 minutes and be like that's the show well, if you take all the ums and ahs out of it, that's about right. I don't do the ums and ahs. Oh, 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 oh. would you like some screenshots that say otherwise? <laughs> screenshots? What do you, what, this is yeah, audio. Yeah, the, the ones that remove, the, yes, the audio software that removes the ums and ahs. Okay, will, there may be some, but I believe I do far less than you do. This is a contest. No, you probably do because uh, I have software that takes them out and you don't. So, so, so consequently, you're, so you're I don't have to worry as, about it. Right. You're using it as a crutch instead it's of getting better. Crutch. Absolutely. It's a, well, it's not a matter of better. It's a matter of convenience. It is not. It's a matter of having that professionalism not to do them in the first place. Hmm. I don't know about that. But is domain squatting really a thing now that there is 8,000 different extensions? And I'm not, I might be low on that because there seems like there is. I don't know that having anything other than .com is worth any money. So right. if somebody's sitting on domains that are .show, uh, I kind of think that's a losing cause. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Well, I remember but, the good old days where if you had your name, it would always be like, well, if you've got .com, you may as well get .net and .org. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people did. And then once there were so many domains, it's like, no, what's the point? You can't well, have also, them all. Also, they used to be like four ninety nine. Yes, you know, true. Well, they used to be and, free, right? That and was the I, exactly. original. I go back enough to when they were free. You just fill out a form and you would get your uh, your domains registered for free. That is a long time. And, and you really didn't need to worry about, you know, how long you held them. Right, right. The uh, I One of the ideas for a show I thought would have been good would be the uh, maybe a little too on the nose was the title, The Smartest Guys in the Room. And then there were multiple people, people doing shows already called that. So I figured that was yeah, it's, no good. I mean, I, I like how you call that a little too much on the nose. I think realistically, <laughs> it's probably the opposite of that. Two idiots bloviating. Isn't that what we were going to go with? Too? Uh, that's the the opposite extreme of that. Uh, I, I don't know why, why uh, so many podcasts have titles that are either overly self-deprecating or overly self-hyping. I, I think it's much better to have a title of the podcast be something very obvious to people, which is how we came up with our new name. Right. Which is why, again, all the other people just use their name. When you look at the big people, including your buddy, Tim, it's the, you know, the Tim pools show, the Tim, or the Tim cast. It's the Tim cast was the Rush Limbaugh show. It's the Glenn black back program. The, it's, the Glenn black is great. The, yes. black Love is the Glenn awesome. Black. But, uh, that is what's your, uh, Fox guys show called Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. 
It is what? just the uh, no spin news. So at least that's oh, so not... he, he he no longer uses the O'Reilly factor. Correct. I'm, I'm guessing that was owned by name. Fox. Ironically, right? So the yes. show that had his name in it was owned by Fox, and, and his new show doesn't have his name in it is uh, owned by him. Irony. But I liked the or unrelenting. Or is it actually even owned by him? I couldn't believe unrelenting. Nobody had done a podcast yet called unrelenting. Yeah, the first thing I thought of uh, was when you said unrelenting, which incidentally, just for the record, I came up with, but you said it first. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, the The first thing I thought of is that TV series, which I keep getting recommended to me, but haven't watched yet. Uh, it's about some sheriff dude that's pursuing some crimes and it's, it sounds like unrelenting, but it's not actually unrelenting. It's like unresolved or something like that. I'm sure people will know what it is if there's any trolls left in the troll room. Uh, but it's, I think it's the same guy that used to be in Deadwood, isn't it? No. Well, Deadwood was, you you know, I'm talking about, right? The, the main sheriff, Uh, Timothy Oliphant. That's the guy, yeah. And I, by the way, I thought he was hilarious in the Santa Clarita diet. I don't think I saw that. A completely just goofy, wacky, off the wall thing that made fun of zombies. Nice, because uh, there's way too many zombies. And it's about a, a suburban couple who's very Staffordish, and you know they got the they're both realtors, and they've got the perfect white teeth and everything. Uh, and uh, it just turns out that his wife died and then undied so she's alive <laughs> but it turns out she's a zombie that's like your biggest nightmare when your wife comes back to life right uh, would be for me yeah uh, so she's a zombie, but she's like she doesn't want to be as she just wants her life back you know but there are certain things that she has to do as a zombie like eat raw flesh and preferably human that to to stay alive that it, it creates the conflict in the show and drew barrymore is playing the zombie wife interesting now you have are not you seeing this no are you thinking of justified though the other justified that's okay yeah that yes, was yes. a magnificent series never seen it it was magnificent is it worth watching should i watch it i think is so something worth okay i think you would like it yeah but doesn't that just like that one word kind of just real strong one word show title doesn't that just jump right out at you yes and it is more memorable it's easier for I people couldn't remember to type. what the hell it was but right. it's pretty memorable you know <laughs> i would have remembered because i'm all said and done I'm like oh you mean oh yeah justified there were so many people in that series that uh have wound up in other things but it was a when was it on was it just recently or a long time ago um boobery posted it in the troll room it was 2010 to 2015 so it's been that's over a for a few years ago <laughs> that's not a long time ago i mean this is pandemic time i'm surprised you just didn't binge that over the last couple of years but it is he plays a character that uh it's, it's all based on the writing of um uh, what's the guy's name uh harlan howard is it the um it was based on a bunch of novels from I never never seen it. You never saw it. Wow. But he plays, you know, kind of a could go over the edge at any time, but he's a lawman, so of course he gets away with some stuff and uh there's I think you would like it. Yeah. yeah. I'm watching a clip right now. See, well you're doing the show. That's pretty good. Yeah, he was the one. There was a clip I'd like to uh 
throw around one of the there, and there's a lot of memeable things that came out of Justified. Uh-huh. The one was uh, as he plays the uh, Raylan Givens and uh, U.S. Marshal. Mm. One was if you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. If you're running into assholes all day, you're the asshole. And I thought oh, that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's the kind of stuff this character spews throughout the series. And I think you would relate to this guy. The justified guy. Yes. Timothy hmm. Oliphant's character in justified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people reacted to the this week in Tim. I didn't realize this guy was as polarizing a figure as, uh, as I he thought is. it was interesting too. And uh, I mean, the, my lesson for it has nothing to do with, anybody's reactions it, i just realized how much work it would be to do this weekend tim well yeah because so if you're going not to do it if you're going to give people a show on what tim pool did yeah. you actually have to listen to tim pool and he talks a lot he's prolific he's very prolific there's a lot of coverage and i think a big appeal of tim's show isn't necessarily what he talks about it's the the actual commentary that he and his guests provide so for really for somebody to do it justice, and the reason I'm not going to keep doing it is because it, I would rather than covering the topics that were brought up on the show, which are fairly similar to every other conservative talk show, uh, I would have to just go and make a bunch of clips of the actual conversations they're doing. And that is entirely too much work, given that I watch Tim Pool sort of in the background while I'm doing other stuff. But you're still absorbing and you're bringing things then that you've learned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, there, there's a, there's definitely, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, no agenda kind of served as the political show that I would listen to on a you know biweekly basis to catch me up on politics before this last election. So really for, you know, many years, my political interest was pretty much limited to six hours per week which is healthy i think rather yeah, than which is, six hours know, a day maybe so the equivalent of somebody watching fox news for an hour a day you know for during the week uh and it all came through no agenda i really wasn't watching any other political shows uh, wasn't really interested in that stuff but as we get closer to the elections obviously political discourse ramped up as well as the polarization on both sides creating more and more areas of disagreement that were separated by a political uh, really cavern between the two arguments than had been in the past. There were plenty of, let's put it this way, there were certainly not a majority, but there were plenty of people who voted liberally who were in the NRA group that I run. And I wanted to always make sure that uh, the focus of that NRA group was respectful of the fact that we may disagree about other things like, say, abortion, but we do agree about gun rights. And what has been happening with uh, politics really over the last, let's just say, 24 months, so pre-last election and certainly since the last election, is an increase in that polarization to where I think a lot of liberals that used to own guns and used to enjoy shooting, but in most other respects were traditional liberal voters, 
they no longer can even admit to the fact that they've ever shot a gun. And a lot of the uh, conservatives are mixing in issues that are not gun related. And remember, this is like on the NRA site, so it's it should be limited to guns. But they're bringing up an awful lot of issues that are really not gun related, just talking about the idiocy, idiocy of the other side. Things having to do with vaccines, things having to do with government overreach, things having to do with increase in taxes. All these topics, which are certainly perfectly fair to talk about from a political standpoint, but not necessarily in that forum, much as if I was in the paintball forum, I don't want to hear about politics or, you know, if I'm in a forum about some particular video game, I don't want to hear about politics. That That is no longer an option this year. Like right now, I don't think that there's any topic that it can be completely devoid of politics. Oh, politics it's invasive. Has crept into everything. And uh, David Fry, one of the uh, the lawyers, the Canadian lawyer guy uh, that does... Um, uh, the show, what is it, Fry and uh, who's the other lawyer? Uh, the, 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 I don't uh, know. You asked me this the other day. I don't watch that. Yeah, I, you don't, yeah, yeah clearly. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the name, though, but uh, Barnes, Barnes, right? So they, they've got a sh- uh, show every week that they do uh, talk about court cases and politics. But he has been making, and I think he sells the shirts online, but he, he quite often wears a shirt that says politics ruins everything. It does. And, and it's quite an apt shirt, uh, because, uh, like I think we all remember certainly people of a certain age, the, well, we remember mo- many things, things like st- sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But we also remember that you should, Limit polite conversation to topics of other than politics and religion. Right. You don't talk about that. And uh, yeah, these company. are areas where you just have to admit from the get go that people may have beliefs that are unchangeable. They will stay on the exact same side you're on. So having any kind of discussion or debate about people's politics or people's religion is sort of a waste of time. There is no point to be made that will convince the other person to change their mind. But isn't the problem that there used to be a lot of overlap between the left and the right and the differences were some more extreme things, abortion stuff that, you know, doesn't normally have to come up in polite conversation. But what's happened now is every issue seems to be political, which says, you know, if one side says get a vaccination the other side says no if the one side says we want green energy the other side says no it doesn't matter what the topic is anymore it it's separate everywhere you're absolutely right and it's not just every topic it's that the the people will flip-flop accordingly do you remember all the uh all the news reports of high-ranking liberals like nancy pelosi talking about how they'll never take a trump vaccine yes well, that instantly flip-flopped to where conservatives were just waiting for Trump to fast-roll this vaccine, and the liberals were saying no way in hell to as soon as Biden gets elected, uh, even if that was done through nefarious means, 
to where the liberals are like, you must take mandates and you're an evil person who deserves to have fewer rights if you don't take the vaccine. Yes. And it flipped immediately. Completely flipped. And I just talked about that on the latest random thoughts. You should listen to more of that. But, you know, I used to think that was a pretty good show. It's an awesome show. But no question. Joe Biden said it. Kamala Harris said it. Nancy Pelosi said it. Going on down the line, it seems all of the top Democrats said, oh, Trump vaccine. No, I'd, I'd be worried about taking that. I don't I think I can understand why people wouldn't want to take that. And then immediately once Joe Biden was elected, it's like better take that vaccine because now it's a Joe yep. Biden vaccine because like Joe Biden or Donald Trump, either one of them is working in a lab somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and not only that, but even the guy that should have never flopped on anything, the guy that's the spokes hole for the vaccine industry, Fauci, uh, he went from saying you don't need masks, masks don't do shit, which was actually a true statement from him. Yes. Well, he started out there to completely flip flopping and saying, oh, no, 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 no. I actually lied the last time. What I meant to say was that I need to save the masks for people that really need them in the healthcare industry. But really, masks absolutely do work. Right. That was the change. And uh, Dr. Burks also talked about this on Random Thoughts this week, was the one that just recently came out within the last week or so and said that she now believes Donald Trump is responsible for like 30 to 40 percent more deaths, like 120,000 deaths from covid because he was more worried about the campaign than the pandemic. And I'm like, all politicians are worried about getting reelected. He was the one that was pushing for the vaccine, but she thought, well, he he didn't do enough with mask mandates and social distancing. And I'm thinking, well, now that we know this is aerosolized masking and social distancing, not really the difference maker. You're pretending. How do you get 30 or 40 percent less deaths talking about masks and social distancing? That is just a lie. How do you get even one percent less deaths? Yes. Because for there to have been that fewer deaths last year would have meant that last year saw an unprecedented dip in overall death rates, a dip that I, we've never seen. That's what that would imply since probably the, uh, I'd say 1947, uh, because last year we saw a, an exact uh, matching of the overall total deaths for the year. In the United States, at least, let's not talk about the rest of the world, but certainly in the United States, compared to the projected number of deaths based on the last several decades. Right. And compared to the overall um, number of uh, population in the United States. But there was zero deviation last year. There was not a single extra death last year. And all the deaths that were marked as COVID or COVID related or caused by COVID or any of the variety of that were simply deaths that were projected to already be happening. It's just that the underlying cause would have been the disease that caused it. Whereas right now, last year at least, and and I'm sure for this year as well, uh, the disease was ignored and the deaths was marked as caused by COVID. Oh yeah, don't forget the, the magical disappearing flu. Exactly. Yeah. Flu completely disappeared for a year just to let COVID have fun. It (laughs) is so so ridiculous. Yeah. But they might as well have been putting died of flu for every person that died 
in their 70s and 80s that came into the hospital with the flu, they might as well have said, oh, yeah, they died of, uh, inf- you know, uh, uh, flu-related symptoms. Because that would ignore all the other things that weakened their immune system, like diabetes, like cancer, like uh, heart issues. Uh, a lot of these people had been on, on a multitude of drugs that weakened their immune system in order to keep them alive and sustain some of the organs that were in danger of failing. Right, which is why there's so much talk about comorbidities, because that is vitally important when you're dealing with any kind of disease. Is You know, if you're a perfectly healthy specimen, then getting a virus, probably not going to kill you. But now if you have diabetes and high blood pressure and you're obese and all this stuff, it's like, well, you add all this stuff together, you know, it doesn't matter what you contract you have less of a chance of coming out with a a positive result. But all this stuff just gets so muddled. And this is where I think a lot of the problems come in, is that you see things like there was just a article the other day that said, well, the CDC released something saying that if you were vaccinated, you were X percent likely, and it was like 30% for one some things and 50% less likely for other things to die from non-COVID related things. Like there's a connection there, which made zero sense. Even the people writing the article, and I think it was a Washington Post article, so a very liberal outlet was kind of like, well, I guess that means maybe people that get vaccinated are just healthier overall because how do those things make sense it's like well you know gene the people that got vaccinated are 14 percent less likely to die in a car wreck like right what's the connection yeah it's it's obviously a causal one i mean right. being vaccinated uh precludes you from having car wrecks that's pretty obvious yeah just having the data which was always the problem for me with the climate change stuff because depending how you really want to read the data it's like well Does CO2 go up because the planet is warming or does CO2 go up and cause the planet to warm? Right. And nobody's been able to prove which one it is, but we know what we're running with as far as a global society. It's crazy. But yeah, I there there's a it's hard to try and think about what's worse the idiocy of the general populace in buying into this or the malfeasance of the politicians and the people surrounding them that push these lies and the politicians i think overall are stupid which is a big part of the problem whether it's coming to global warming or a global pandemic or pandemic or whether you want to believe it's real or not irrelevant because the people dealing with it are the politicians and We saw what happens, whether you're Donald Trump or whether you're Joe Biden going, hey, Anthony Fauci, tell me, tell me what I should think. And they're going to this guy who's probably corrupt to the core. So it doesn't really matter when your leaders then are asking people like this, who are the alleged experts to give them the answer. It's like this uh, goes back to the old computer adage, garbage in, garbage out. Fauci appears to be garbage. Well, Fauci, I think has been a politician for many years and somehow he got rolled out. And this is yet another of Trump's mistakes. And we've talked about quite a few of them where Trump 
just does not know how to evaluate people to hire him. He's known for firing people, right? That's his trademark. Yes. But now we all know why he got so good at firing people is because he does not know how to fucking hire people. (laughs) Nobody does actual questioning of people that are waiting to be hired for these posts to see whether or not they, their views and what they perceive as their job represents those of the president. To be fair, Fauci has been around for how many presidential administrations? Right. A, a and lot. he should not have been. I mean, that's the thing is, I guess the, the general thought is like, who cares who's running the CDC because uh, it doesn't really impact America. They're well, just sitting, sitting there doing research uh, and killing beagles. That's their main job. And it's like uh, it's been a hundred years since they've really been needed as well, which is the best job ever. Yeah, the Spanish flu. You know, you're sitting around like, "Hey, everything's good," and then all of a and sudden. By the way, shouldn't the Spanish flu be called something else now because it's offensive to Spaniards? If you want to be woke, yeah, you should call yeah. these things just by the year that they came around. And never it should be called the white flu. Probably white people yeah. are bad, so you could just blame them for everything. The Caucasian flu, the Caucasian flu that decimated the world. Yes. You know, Technically started in China. You know, uh, O'Reilly did question Donald Trump about why he didn't fire Fauci and why he didn't fire General Milley. And, and what did he have to say? Political reasons that they would have uh, roasted him. I mean, that's not a great answer, uh, but uh, probably true that uh, you know how the, the left likes to run and the media would run and be like, oh, he you know, and Dr. Perks is already saying he's responsible for 30 to 40 percent more deaths. What do you think would have happened if he would have gotten rid of her or Fauci? Then, you know, it, oh, he'd have been responsible for 100 percent of the deaths. Because, you know, if we would have all just wore masks, which a lot of people did and still got sick. Hmm, that's weird. They sure did. Don't understand how that happened. But uh, this is, again, when you have politicians who are not versed in these things, nor can you expect them to be, except in this case, I guess, for Rand Paul, who does have a degree somewhat in medicine. I mean, I understand he's an eye doctor, but he probably understands a lot of things more than most. And yeah, I suspect his medical understanding is significantly greater than Fauci's. I I did get that impression. And I don't think Fauci liked the fact. Fauci has been an, an administrator which is a pencil, uh, paper pusher, pencil pusher, whatever you want to call it, much longer than Rand Paul has been in office. Yeah. You know, Fauci may have started uh, a, his work working with actual science, but quickly moved into administration. So it is, I think, greatly disingenuous to Fauci, an 80-year-old guy that hasn't practiced medicine in 60 years, to be calling out Rand Paul, who actually practices medicine on a yearly basis. Well, and it appears to me that beyond just the normal covering his own ass that everybody does, in this case, it appears that Fauci knew a lot more and actively lied about things. And that is uh, something that in, in this day and age, how do you figure you're going to get away with that if you know there's a trail at all to you do you really think it's not going to be found that he had a connection and there was money going specifically for the gain of function research or do you just think that he like maybe joe biden at this point feels the mainstream media is so in the bag for his side 
that they're just never going to report it. So you can just blatantly go out there and lie. Or is he just uh, just completely stupid and thought that, well, nobody would look into this? No. Well, first of all, he's 80 years old. That's, I think, the first thing to remember. So you're pushing off having any kind of a problem because, you know, you I'm, might be I'm dead. I'm saying there should have been a mandatory retirement for him 20 years ago, maybe 15, 15 years ago. At 65, he should have been ousted. You know, I don't like retirement being forced. I on do. Anybody. I'm, I'm borderline retiring people uh, in Logan's <laughs> run. We have entirely too many people that broke America. With the way they brought up their kids, entirely too many of them are still in power. Yeah, well, I would agree that there should be. Uh, we should be retiring people left and right. How does Nancy Pelosi keep getting with elected? prejudice? What is wrong with the people in her area that keep electing her? Do you do you really think that what people in her area vote on actually is figured into whether or not she gets elected? I think so. I mean, I don't think it's completely rigged as of yet, because, I mean, the Republicans did win some House seats in the last didn't election. Win her house seat. Well, no. I mean, Nancy's house is pretty well fortified with all those Jenny's ice cream bars that are in the uh, in the freezer. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know how you can think that we have an election process in this country. I mean, we're we're literally walking in the footsteps of russia in its uh move towards socialism in the 1920s and 19 teens really uh and by the time that the majority of the country realized that the socialists kind of took over the real revolution it was too late they were already fully in control uh the you know the revolution from the czars in russia was not conducted by the socialists. The socialists were a minority. They were in the, uh, they were sort of the extreme left wingers. The, the revolution that was pushed through by the, the really organizing serfs against the Tsar of Russia, uh, was anything but a socialist revolution. It was a, uh, it was wanting to bring capitalism to the serfs which otherwise did not live under capitalism. They lived under serfdom. And what happens was the communists or the, well, the people that call themselves communists, because that sounds more pure than socialist, which sounds like you're only going to willing to do things halfway, uh, which incidentally is why it's the, not the Chinese so socialist party, but the Chinese communist party, because they're saying that the socialism that they're currently in is just, but a path to true communism yeah and let's so, not forget that the person that joe biden just put in charge of the what was it the treasury whatever is a woman that uh fondly remembers all of that uh type of a system of socialism and uh because it was much more equitable you know everybody was treated equally i mean we don't yeah, mention like shit right equally. they were all treated like yes, shit exactly but, but even that's i mean that's funny to say but it's certainly not true because people that had party membership were never treated as badly as people who didn't oh there is always that top one percent or whatever it is that is in the leadership role that uh that just skims a little bit off the top while everybody else lives in squalor they get to live in uh nice digs well it's only right they're doing what's good for the rest of the people but is that what you see like going on with this crypto stuff which we've talked about on and off and these meme coins especially i mean bitcoin at this point is one thing that has 
a bit of stability to it. I still understand that this thing could crumble at any given point, although there were some pretty big uh, where the, there was somebody with the bank or was it Rand Paul? Somebody the other day was like, you know, the uh, world's reserve currency, the you know, instead of the dollar being that the United States dollar that could go to Bitcoin, which is like, oh, well, that's putting a whole lot of faith in that. But these meme coins like the sheep coin, which we've talked about, which was an offshoot of the Doge coin. There is an article that somebody last August bought thirty four hundred dollars worth of this crypto asset, this sheep coin, S.H.I.B. And it's now worth a billion and a half. One year. When well, they from, have to have bought it like literally the day it came out then. Very close to it, I would suppose. But this is somebody that put like a grand total, like 8,000 in, which it's now worth over 5 billion. And it could be less than 5 billion because it's drastically going up and down. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and frankly, the people that bought it later may have bought that person's cheap coin as well. Or do we know confirm that they actually are still holding that? Yes. It, it looks like it's all still in a wallet, which people are like, well, what's going to, this is, the total market cap on this, I think, is around 40 or 50 billion. And this That's one insane. this one person has, though, like five billion of it. So, yeah, it, that is just crazy. It's stupid. There's nothing there. You're right. buying paper and that you can't Not even, even really play with. Right. So, yeah. I mean, why? This is to me. It's well, like you this, tell me. I don't own any of that shit. You do. <laughs> I mean, it's gambling. I get that part. But when you try to put a logical spin on the fact that. Somebody spent $3,400 a year ago, and that's now worth $1.5 billion. Okay, but here's the way to think about it. Isn't that, oh my God, that guy was smart. It's really, that 3400 represents probably one ten thousandth of 1% of all the people that put 3400 on something. And that one person managed to have put it on the sheep coin. Right. The one that went up and everybody else put it on other shit coins or Bitcoin when it was at 65 the first time. Well, then then at least they got their money back. True. But but the point is that you can't look at an outlier like this and say, oh, man, that person's super smart. No. Oh, no. That person literally uh, they they pulled the handle in a casino and they managed to get four bars across and it's like, oh, my God, I just want a new car, or a new house or a new billion dollars or whatever. A two billion dollars. You can go buy a, a skyscraper, dollars. man. Yeah. Or, or well, and that's that's really it. They didn't pull the handle once. They pulled the handle thirty four hundred times. Right. And then that last time they did, it, it hit the jackpot. So it happens. People do win the lottery. We can look at the odds of people actually winning the lottery as well. That happens, what, twice a week? Well, although not every time somebody wins. So let's say at least once a month, sometimes several times a month, somebody wins the lottery. Yeah. And when it rolls over, then the ticket sales go way up. People buy into it. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because the odds are actually in your favor because the odds are not calculated on the dollar of value. The odds are calculated on the number of tickets sold. And it's also uh, if the value is higher, it actually the your odds have gone uh, have increased if you buy a ticket and your odds are better with the lottery than it is with crypto. I think, uh, well, it depends. I mean, it kind of depends what you're doing. The the thing about crypto, it is, I think in a lot of ways it replaced online poker, which people used to do before it became illegal. 
Right. And back when online poker was popular in the early 2000s, everybody I know had an account with at least a thousand bucks in there. Does it Everybody you? was playing. Everybody was talking about their awesome wins. Well, yeah, but until yet, it was all computer generated. But, and uh, But almost everybody ultimately lost that money. And you don't know you're really playing against real people, and it could be the casinos. But it doesn't in even Romania matter if you're playing against you. real people. The rules are the rules, so you're not. Well, you're uh, assuming the computer's dealing you a fair hand. But yeah, think- yeah, but but there were there were certainly uh, um, there were independent tests for a lot of these places because they wanted to reassure people that they're not just going to get ripped off. Because if they're not doing that fairly, then the FBI automatically goes after them. And exactly uh, what I was thinking, net net. If you're not in the troll room when we do these shows live, then you're missing out. Trollroom.io. But well, net, for net, now, anyway, that's the troll room. But uh, we, we should at some point talk about some future plans as well. Yeah, we do have some plans to do things. But a net net brings up the sports gambling. And mm-hmm. that's something that I find to be as somebody who doesn't normally care. You know, I'm very much if you want to go into a casino and blow your money, that's fine. I do it. Every now and then the concept of this sports betting now where watching the Red Sox games that I did in the postseason, which is the first baseball I've watched in a couple of years, they're now pointing to the MLB sanctioned gambling app betting on things like will a player hit a home run that game? It's like, oh, he's uh, you know, if this is the odds on this, if this guy hits a home run, the real the real question is it BLM? approved or just mlb i think it's just mlb but if it is mlb approved it might be blm approved although i can't believe they're playing the world series in that hateful state of georgia it's uh it's it's very problematic sound right they should automatically just close down that state (laughs) texas versus georgia baby yeah which is it's it's like the uh might as well call it the uh the lynch games or something it's a ratings debacle though i think oh yeah because the astros a team that i've liked in the past don't get me wrong and i have nothing against the cheating scandal thing because every team in major league baseball was cheating some were just better at it and some got caught and it seems that maybe they overlap there that the ones that were really good at it ended up getting caught so i don't care about that part of it at all a lot of people you know did have an issue with that but it's just uh i don't think nobody cares at this point because it's not the Dodgers. You know, it's not East Coast or West Coast. So it's not Boston and New York. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the Giants. This is like, oh, it's it's Houston and, and the Braves. Not like, exactly. You know, like 80% of our audience lives below the Mason-Dixon line, right? Well, well, that's fine, but it doesn't mean they're watching baseball. No, but they're rooting for somebody. I know I am. Well, you're, are you okay? I'm assuming you're the Astro guy. Well, I'm rooting for the Twins mostly, but sure. <laughs> They're not in the World Series. It's been a while since the it's Jack been Morris a while days. Since, uh, since I went to the World Series, yeah. Yeah, that would be true. But yeah. uh, okay, then let's get to the real big news this week that is actually uh, going to have an effect on this program and on, I believe, podcasters everywhere, which is the acquisition of locals by Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, now Adam doesn't think this is a big deal. Really? Yeah, didn't you not listen to this show? I was trying thing? to do some show prep today. Normally, oh, I listen to every you word. Were doing? Oh, I see. I see. Well, he he said it's a big load of nothing burger. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. I think it is going to be 
substantial for one reason, which is both of those companies independently seemed like lighthouses in the fog for conservative that are trying to find a platform for people that want to find a conservative, um, you know, uh, person to listen to or watch. Uh, they were, and, and really Dave's Rubin isn't even strictly speaking limited to conservatives. Well, neither is the other one. I mean, there, there are plenty of videos on rumble that are very non-conservative, I would say. But that has been their major audience. By joining forces, by coming together, it allows locals to move their servers off Amazon onto the infrastructure that has been created by Rumble, which is a huge win for locals. It's something I've been harping on locals for literally half a year about. It's like, yes, this is all great, guys. You're you're promoting complete uh, freedom of speech. However you're still subject to Amazon rules and policies and you can get kicked off of Amazon anytime. Now they don't talk about how they're hosted on Amazon, but if you do a little digging, you can find out that in fact they are hosted on Amazon. Right. But, and as we saw with parlor, if you're hosted on Amazon and they exactly. all of a sudden decide your persona non grata, they pull the plug or they give you like well, they, a week. They, they pull the plug and they find some legalese reason in their contract to kick you. Because their cohorts in Silicon Valley say, now's the time to shut this thing down. Apple pulls the plug on the app. Amazon pulls the plug on the website. YouTube pulls the plug. Google pulls the plug on video. You're fully deplatformed. You got nothing. Um, so, and uh, if you manage to register your domain with Amazon or one of their cohorts, then that gets pulled as well. So now you lose your domain as well. So I, I think that it's important. This is a good step because it allows locals to move off Amazon servers onto a whole separate infrastructure. And it's good uh, for Rumble because it means that instead of having to somewhat compete with locals who was hosting their own videos, as well as letting people, you know, just provide links to other hosted videos, now they can integrate the functionality. So instead of having a 720p limit on locals videos, I'm sure that'll go up to 4K within a matter of six months because it'll just simply be utilizing the infrastructure that's already built into Rumble. It means that people that are already paying to be on local as supporters of somebody whose program they're watching or listening to will probably get something that's the equivalent of Amazon Prime on Rumble. So they'll have a higher premium status on rumble to be able to maybe watch videos uh you know longer videos high resolution videos there's some other benefits because they happen to be supporting somebody who has their shows hosted on locals so i think it's a great synergy i think it's a win-win for both companies there they may not be anywhere near as large as the competition of of youtube uh and uh, patreon who are clearly much larger but I think this is a great step in the right direction. And the more of these sort of um, free speech leaning, I'm not even going to say conservative leaning, but really free speech leaning right. companies, the more that they partner up, the more they promote each other, do business with each other, and ultimately even have more acquisitions like this, the more uh, it will solidify that there is a real alternative out there. What Adam didn't like is the fact that 
this is not a distributed federated system. This is still a system that is hosted by a company, a single company that owns the infrastructure. Right. Which makes it easier for a vast majority of people. We've done testing in all sorts of different ways and been taking the donations for the podcast directly. And it's a system that works, but there's still middlemen because you're still dealing with PayPal for us. I mean, I know there's a variety of other ways you can go. We've had a Patreon for other podcasts and just kind of let it sit there. Have never really gone and had a whole membership type thing being pushed. But the biggest problem, I think, for a lot of people before jumping in to one of these platforms is the worry that you're going to go in, you're going to build a base, you're going to start making money, and then it's going to disappear. We saw that even with YouTube, with the vegan crazy chick that went on a shooting spree at YouTube when they demonetized her. Yep. That people want to feel like they're secure. And it's like, I don't have a problem. It's like everything we do when I'm hungry. You know, I call the pizza place or I go to the grocery store. I don't go grow my own food. We are used to dealing with middlemen when it comes to all of this stuff. People didn't want to jump into Patreon because they're like, well, again, they might demonetize me. They may kick me off and then I lose everything. So if there is actually an alternative that is not kicking anybody off unless they actually break the law of the United States of America which is, I think, the only thing Ruben said, you know, if you're breaking the law there, then, you know, you have bigger problems than us. But if you're not going to be deplatformed for just saying the wrong thing, and this is what we've seen lately on YouTube, which is, oh, that was medical misinformation. They took off one of the Let's Go Brandon rap songs citing medical misinformation. If you don't think that uh, tells you everything you need to know, and why you would never want to put your family's well-being or the money that you need to come in to pay the rent, why that shouldn't be coming in from a place like YouTube or a place like Patreon. And besides YouTube, as we were talking about the other day on the phone, it's a third. They take a third of everything that these guys bring in on YouTube, which is absolutely yeah. insane. Well, a little less than a third, but yeah. Yeah. So they've added the mechanism to allow people to instantly provide financial feedback uh, in the form of a quick donation while they're watching a, sh a live stream. And it's only for things that are running live. So you don't get that if you're just upload an episode. They don't let you do those, obviously. But for live streams, YouTube does have the um, uh, a, a way to give them money. And for giving them money, you either get a little special icon or you get to ask a question that is highlighted in a different color or something that's like your, your comment or question will stay up longer because you gave more money. So there's all kinds of little things like that, but YouTube also takes 30% of that. Right. And as so you pointed out, Tim pool's making a lot of money on questions. It's crazy. Yeah, the super chats, which is what they're calling YouTube, uh, bring a decent amount of money. He makes significantly more for memberships, though. Well, and that's uh, regular coming in. I had never heard of locals until Scott Adams start using it. And to be honest, mm -hmm. he's the only person I know that actually uses it. So I'm sure there's a bigger bunch. Uh, oh, community. there's a ton of people. I mean, the, the, the Frey and Barnes, the two lawyer guys use it. They've had it for a long time. 
Uh, there's, I probably have subscribed to five or six different people on locals. So you're all in there and it's, seems- uh, well, and I, that's because I was a Dave Rubin, uh, viewer. Like I've been watching Dave pretty much since he left, uh, the, uh, the young Turks. Cause you know, he used to be a lefty on the young Turks. Right. And he kind of had a change of heart, he, I guess. He had a, he realized that they're like moving further and further to the left and he would be more of what he call a classical liberal than a current liberal. And, Which again, uh, like we talked about earlier, it used to be what people considered themselves liberal and conservatives agreed like about 85% of the things. Right. Exactly. And we were all Americans, but we had somewhat left and somewhat right leaning views on a number of issues. And r- remember, it was the, the combination of the religious, uh, right conservatives and the liberal, uh, racists that initially started up the the ratings of albums because of rap lyrics and Al Gore's wife was spearheading that back well, that in was the, long uh, before rap that was just ro- that was rock that was twisted mm-hmm. sister that was frank zappa well I mean, fair fair enough but i think it was actually a rap album that kind of kicked off that whole movement well it could have been but the they, two live they wanted crew. to yeah. they wanted to yeah to basically say what kids are listening to as far as lyrics are, are not things we want them to be able to hear. And therefore we need to mark things as adults only kind of like we do with movies. We need to start marking records that way as well. Right. Uh, And they had the government hearings on that, which were there's clips you can find on the tubes. They're very interesting to go back and watch those. And I've played a clip a few times from the two live crew luther campbell the lead guy who during a performance of uh, band in the usa which talks about the censorship and all of that stuff says the real problem is the government sees the crowd that he's got which is black which is white which is hispanic which is asian and they're all getting along and that's the problem and you look at everything that's been going on and it's like dude i think he hit that completely on the head because everything now, let's separate white from black. Let's separate man from woman. Let's separate cop from non-cop. Let's oh, separate yeah, yeah. rich from poor. People used to get along and just go to shows and have a good time. Well, and I, there, there was actually on, on yesterday's uh, uh, Timcast, there was a, or their, their live show. Uh, Tim brought up something, I think, very accurately, which is that this position of a diversity officer in a lot of large American corporations these days, and even some smaller companies, this position of diversity officer, what does it actually entail? It has nothing to do with the company making money, unlike every other position in the company. The diversity officer's job is to ensure that racism exists in the company. Right. For a number of reasons. One is, of course, its job you know, guarantees their own job, right? It's, uh, if there's no perceived issues with racism, why do they need to be there? But job but security, more importantly, cause I'm doing a great job. That's why there's no problem. But more importantly, what they're actually doing there, not just their job title is creating racism. There, there is no other job that exists to promote racism beyond diversity officer. Right. What that job is all about is separating your employees not by who works well and who doesn't but by what color are your employees and what can we do 
to give them unequal treatment. Now, if that isn't something dreamed up by the KKK, I don't know what is. <laughs> it should be. Uh... Because it literally is like a Chappelle joke from the 90s. It, the, this job's role, this job's mission is to view employees through the lens of color and create different experiences for them. Color and treat gender. them differently. Color and, well, yes, you're right. Cause uh, it's not just about race. It's also about the whole slew of minority Olympic statuses and who has more of the medals in that Olympics. If you are a black transgender woman, you are flying today. Well, you pretty much are the CEO of the company. Right. I mean, like with zero actual skill, uh, skill or responsibility. You're the de facto CEO because if you oppose something, it is guaranteed to be shut down in the company. And uh, this is why people, I guess, were surprised that, well, no, Netflix is, they're standing by Dave Chappelle on this and the bullshit. Netflix folded within five days, five days after they made their first announcement that everyone was congratulating them on for sticking with a black comedian of all things is like oh what a major thing you guys did you actually managed to stick up for a black comedian against a slew of white rich uh men and women that were protesting the fact that this black comedian said something that they found not to be funny well this is the world it's we have literally now. racism this is this is i think we've we're now getting to a point where Who's going to be that equivalent of uh, of the woman that that sits in the front of the bus, even though she's white? Well, I'm sure you saw the Art Institute of Chicago, which is a longstanding institution. And I know you said you'd like to go to these things. The yeah, it's been probably are. 15 years since I've been there, but sure. Well, you're probably lucky about that. They had a bunch of old white ladies that would give the tours that knew all about the art who had been yep. there for years mm -hmm. and the art institute went oh well our, our little group of people doing this isn't diverse enough so they fired them all oh my god because they were old white women because they need to have a diverse so now if you go to the art institute of chicago pretty sure you're going to have a person of color or trans or something leading you around and they'll probably know nothing about what they're talking about but Oh, I'm sure they'll have ideas about what they're talking about and how the art is all about the, the trans movement. Right, right. Back right. in the 1600s. It's all about oppression and, and this is the struggle and this well, is. To be uh, fair, most art is about struggle. Well, different kinds, but. Yeah, I mean, some of it has to do with the Christ struggle. We're making <laughs> the, the case. Sins that, of the people. Right. Well, you're going to make the case that the United States of America is stacked against people it's like you can make it in the I mean, look at barack obama look at oprah winfrey look at bill o'reilly he started out working class guy no money and at one point i think he was making what like 25 million a year when he was number one on fox uh that's pretty damn good money uh, is that back when he was raping his co-host there or what <laughs> um i've never heard never of proven that. never proven just alleged never proved that i've never even heard that mm -hmm. accusation i've heard uh well, there's that. a whole tv show on uh on apple tv about that called morning show you know well, morning show is a it's literally uh, about him it's fictional though oh right i forget much you know. like sports night was about uh 
Yeah, the blowhard. What's his name? The sports guy, Keith Olbermann and uh, and Dan yeah. Patrick, allegedly. They they, they take some uh, liberties, but I, I would rather not get sued on episode one. So, I mean, it's Gene. Speaking of Dan Patrick, you know, it's I kind of like Danica Patrick's podcast. I have not listened to Danica Patrick's podcast. I know she that Mythos, our buddy uh, Walkman, likes her. Who does? The uh, only guru from Grumpy Old Men's Mythos, the oh, Duke okay. Walkman of Buckeye. Uh, uh, a patron. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it is very good. Her interview with um, Jordan Peterson was uh, one of the better ones. What made it different? Because he's on a lot of stuff. So what- first of all, she doesn't interrupt her guests. What? Okay, so she would never. So she's an us. actual professional, unlike 99% of the people that do interviews up there. Rogan does a good job of staying quiet. He used to. He, not anymore. He's, is it because the COVID changed him? I think getting rich changed him. I think yeah. he went from uh, successful to rich. Like rich enough to be able to just buy a person. That, yeah, and I do that, think that changed his perspective. I think this uh, this frustration he's having with CNN is putting a little bit of humility back in him. But I believe he really, truly thought that having this $100 million contract would make other people see him the way he's seeing himself right now. And I think that the, the fact that CNN just poo-pooed on him after the fact is making him realize maybe that's not the case. So. We'll see. He may get back to his old self. I certainly noticed a change even before that deal was announced. You could see that the way that Rogan was interviewing his style was different. He just didn't give a shit anymore. It was kind of like, I'm rich, bitch. You know, that's it. It it was that attitude that, again, going back to Chappelle on his old show, uh, talking about, uh, you know, Prince back in the heyday, just doing stuff he wanted to do. Not really thinking about you know what it, how how weird is this how when you when you have somebody over to uh, Paisley Park and then you're like hey let's go play basketball at three a.m. and you expect everybody to just bring their crew along and you know it's like everyone's gonna do what you tell them to do because you're the center of the universe right and I think there was a I'm not saying to that extent but there was certainly that type of mentality that that was noticeable in joe's interviews once that deal was maybe even in the works maybe it was even inked and certainly way before it was announced but you could definitely tell there's a change and i i talked about it back then well, do you think a, it's the guaranteed money because that's something that goes on all the time in sports which is yeah you know, somebody gets the big contract and all of a sudden their production drops because the minute you get a four, 10, whatever it is, year contract they're giving now. Yep. It seems like there's less incentive. And I said that right at the time with Rogan, which was, is this his exit strategy? Is this all he wants to do is the yep. three or four more years? And it, it doesn't really matter because now you've been paid. Yeah. So as long as you do I the think work, he's always enjoyed doing comedy more than he doing stand up more than he has doing the podcast. Well, it's a lot more fun. I mean, before COVID. If you were a stand-up, you know, Dice Clay back in the day, when you'd be going out and playing arenas. Oh, my God. Fucking arenas, yeah. You know, and, and he wasn't even that good, but he was getting arenas. Yeah, because it was, you know, he hit on something at a particular time that people just kind of uh, related to, I guess. Yeah, it was called masculinity. <laughs> it's something that... We're, we uh, don't have that these days. You know, it's sissy pants culture in uh, 
what they'll call what's going on now in China, which uh, I, I don't think they're necessarily wrong. I would be surprised wrong. if Andrew Dice Clay started getting gigs in China. <laughs> that would be an interesting. Uh, I would not be surprised. It's like we need to bring him in. We need to show what we're looking for here. This is the epitome now of what a man should be. I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these guys, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, now I don't know if he'd want to do it, but uh, Seinfeld might, might be getting gigs in China. Uh, I mean, a lot of these guys that can no longer perform in colleges because colleges are too puritanistic these days. Uh, they could very well get gigs in China as long as they don't talk about how bad communism is, but if they focus on <laughs> topics like how how masculinity is a good thing, they should be able to get work in China. Right. Now, can't they just get like a fake dice and just do that routine? I mean, because they, they wouldn't know any better. Yeah. You know, in Asia in general, in, in Japan, in China, in, you know, surrounding areas, Singapore, the premium that is paid for actual famous white people is disproportionately large. You can be a minor celebrity in the U.S. and you will get way more money to promote things and do stuff in Asia. Right. Well, they hit it right on the nose in Entourage. If remember, there was the episode where the the, uh, the lead character just needed money, mm-hmm. and they, they, it was like an energy drink or something in China uh, or Japan. Yeah. Yeah, on YouTube, you can find those videos and all kinds of American stars that do not do a single ad in the United States. They're above doing ads. They all do ads that are only for local markets in the Far East. They pretend to be above it, but the all reality of them is do those ads. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, well, George Clooney's done a whole bunch of ads. Well, CIA. I mean, he's, he's a member. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, what, what's your name? The, um, the Batgirl girl. The Batgirl uh, girl. Yeah, what's her name? The actress did Batgirl. She was in... Uh, Haley Berry? No, the, the that's like super old. The new one. I don't know. Uh, she was in... Um, uh, gosh, she's been in a bunch of stuff. She's got big eyes. <laughs> I don't, uh, that, that, not people helping. know who she is. Yes, I am. I'm totally helping. Batgirl uh, girl with big eyes. Yes. that yeah. Somebody will know. Somebody uh, will know. She's done a bunch of those ads in uh, Japan and, and maybe even China. I can't remember which one. Zoe Deschanel? God, no. When was Zoe ever a bat girl? <laughs> I don't Who know. Who the hell said that? I don't. <laughs> you want to you wanna start going I want to. I want to humiliate people that get this wrong. <laughs> I have no name. He's also saying Natalie Portman. But oh, she, my God. This person does not watch that, movies. That was, neither do I. So I'm with him. <laughs> Oh my God! No, you'll know exactly who she was. In, Amber uh, Rose. I don't even know who that is. See, I don't either because I'm old and I oh don't my watch God. TV. You, is, oh, here, I'll do it live. I'll <laughs> take in Bat. So girl. you're like Bat Girl, big eyes. Alicia Silverstone. No, that's she's old, and she didn't do Bat Girl either. Well, she don't. She might have done she was, Bat Girl, she but was she might not have played. Either. Right? So, or, <laughs> nice yeah, or some, one that. of those. Uh, no, it's it's the chick that just did it recently. The chick that just did it recently. So if you want to reach out to Sir Gene, feel free to do so. I'm I'm surprised the whole bet. Anne Hathaway. Is that the big girl? Anne Hathaway. Yes. Big (laughs) eyes. Anne Hathaway. Thank you. Brooklyn, For understanding Gene speak for the uh, Anne Hathaway. Big eyes kind of gives it away. There are there are very few actresses that have them. 
Uh, Amanda Siegfried is another one that has giant eyes. Good old big eyes. But she's never been Batgirl. But anyway, so she's done a bunch of ads out there. there. There's a whole bunch of celebrities on YouTube you can find that have done ads for the Asian market that have not done any ads in the U.S. markets. And they're fun to watch because they usually haven't big. In fact, the movie Lost in Translation was literally about an aging American somewhat has-been actor who goes to Japan to shoot an ad for a whiskey. And he's going to make more money off that one ad than he's made in of his last couple of movies. Well, did you see Lost in Translation at all? I think so. A while ago, but I, it, re- um, yeah, it, it was a uh, it was the first movie that what's her face was in. <laughs> Good old what's her face and big eyes. You're really going down a rabbit hole with those. Oh my god, do you not know who she is? No, I'm. I, she was in, um, you know, all the Marvel stuff. She was in. Uh, What's her name? Uh, Scarlett Johansson. That's the one. Yes. That was her big first movie. Yeah. And then she had all the the problem with Disney because they released the movie. And yeah, Scarlett Johansson's been in a lot of stuff. Disney fucked her. I think she's been one of the hardest working actresses. I think she's taking a, you know, somewhat cute face and, and reasonably okay body and just really has maximize its usability and she's done a whole shit ton of stuff yeah and it's done roll after roll after roll in skin tight outfits and then after 10 15 years now that she's aging a little like oh this is horrible they make me do this yeah well yeah i mean it's uh i i can see why some women wouldn't want that i certainly want them to be looking that way so yeah trolls uh see brooklyn wants to know if the name of the show is unrequited it might be Unrequited. That's good. I like that. I like one word titles. One word titles are good. Uh, work in progress. We'll have to think about that one quick. Yeah. Get the domain name. Names could be switched at any time. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. There was an article I read not too unregulated. Long ago. We could do that. Unregulated, right? <laughs> that said that there was a noticeable, noticeably lesser sex scenes in the movies that have been released. Over the last few years, and the thought was, I mean, granted, they didn't get anybody at a movie studio to admit this, but the thought was the China market is really big and they don't like the sex scenes. So rather than having a movie that they want to market to China, rather Mm. than making the movie here in the U.S. and then being like, oh, well, we'll have to edit this or do a special edit to take that out. They just are starting to cut that out. Mm hmm. Which, I mean, I can see that as being the case because China is the NBA, obviously, is uh, really bowing down to China, although not all the players have gotten on board with that. And I'm surprised that uh, they are not in lockstep quite yet because there are some players now on teams that they won't play in China because, uh, you know, they have they have thoughts about things like Taiwan that the Chinese government doesn't like. But I can see the. the Chinese influence, and I would normally say the Chinese influence is a bad thing, but then we've done the coverage of how China does not like sissy pants culture, and they want yeah. masculinity, and they want femininity. Yeah, and and uh, the same thing with Russia. I mean, we saw the comparison of the American and the Russian military ads to, to go into the armed services. They were quite different. <laughs> yeah. 
Like they were promoting actual physical activity and, and you know. Wait, no, no. You want people to actually have to do the physical? No. And uh, just kicking ass. Where Like the Russian ad for the Russian military looks like something out of Rambo. And the American ad for the American military looks like an ad for, you know, lesbian mothers. I was going to say a bad community college, but okay. No, it looks like an episode from the Hello Word. There May, you go. That's at least better. that's the uh, well, Word episode. They have a diversity person, Gene. They do have. The Army has a diversity general, a four-star diversity general. The insanity. That's what's important. That's what's important right now. The, the insanity is real. We are, in a lot of ways, and I, I don't want to make this sound like I'm being uh, hyperbolic, but in a lot of ways, I hope that by people observing what's happening in the United States today firsthand, get a much better perspective on exactly how Russia became communist and how Germany became fascist. Because we're literally living through that right now, that turning period. We're li- living through the 1915, 16, 17 in Russia. We're living through 1934 to 1937 in Germany right now. And I've seen these things too often firsthand, so I'm getting, getting tired of it. Well, and this is the problem again, when the curriculum is changed and the hope was always that people would learn from their mistakes. But when you start burning books, which is happening again, I mean, it's not actually taking books and putting them into a pile because, you know, they don't actually print books anymore. But the change of the curriculum to the kids, this critical race theory stuff, which depending who you want to talk to, I mean, that's a pretty good argument that's being made for why this is a very detrimental thing. And you have this, the uh, the McAuliffe election coming up is going to be kind of based around that. So that's going to be an interesting election. But I, I just don't understand how it was let to get this far. I mean, and I understand back when I was a kid, my parents actually wanted to know what was going on in school, how I was doing in school. I, maybe it's just a disconnect now that parents just have felt. You just throw your kids and the state will take care of them. And parenting is, well, once the kid is old enough to hold a cell phone, they give them a cell phone and they play with that. They don't really pay much attention to what they're doing. There is a lot of problems. This, the latest was this week, the F, uh, what's FEC, FCC, uh, that was uh, going to be investigating Facebook. Because of the documents that came out as part of this whistleblower thing, and it was like, well, we're going to be uh, we're going to be looking at the fact that Facebook knew that they were their services were detrimental, especially to teenage girls. Yeah, that's not, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Well, I don't I mean, either because it's just a bunch of bullshit. Well, yeah, because the internet is detrimental to everybody. Was would absolutely, be absolutely. Bottom any, line, any of these apps are detrimental. And actually, before we jump to that topic, I just want to wrap up the movie thing because I did. I did watch a couple of things that I wanted to mention. Uh, I watched the documentary about uh, Brittany Murphy called, called What Happened, Brittany Murphy. Yeah, that was a, I remember that quite well, not the documentary. I was shocked when it happened yes. because I really thought she was cute as a button. She had a great little smile and personality. She was in some 
really nice movies that I enjoyed. And then she kind of started being in crappy movies. I was really hoping there would be a comeback for her and said she died. Right. And I was like, what? How? What? Overdose? And then it turned out it wasn't an overdose. It's like, what the fuck? How does somebody that's in their early 30s die without overdosing and, and without being hit by a car, without, you know, doing something without COVID. really dangerous? Without, oh my God, maybe she had the first COVID. <laughs> you never know. Maybe she died of COVID and we just don't know. She could have been a time traveler. But, but it's a very well done three part documentary. I certainly recommend people watch it. Um, I think it's on HBO or maybe it's on Showtime. I can't remember, but it's on one of the networks. Yeah. People have the internet. They can find it's it. It's easy enough to find, but yeah. And it, to me, it really reminded me of watching the documentary, uh, about Amy Winehouse, who was this absolutely, you know, cute, clean girl who was a great singer, loved jazz, and then just got into drugs and tattoos and died. And, and a lot of their, I, I think there's, there's uh, maybe not a lot, but there's definitely some parallels with Brittany Murphy there. It, it just seeing photos of Brittany Murphy in her last year of life showed a lot of warning signs that, that something bad is going to happen much as it, I think was the case with Amy Winehouse seeing her videos from the last year of her life. It just made somebody that's, you know, not a friend of her, not somebody that's known her, but just watching from the outside should have gotten, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. The spiral that girl is pretty is obvious. messed up. Yeah. Something ought to get done here. And, uh, you know, in watching this doc with Brittany Murphy, I got the same kind of feel. Uh, and it seemed like some of the friends were really trying, but it also seemed like her husband was a total grifter and sort of assured the fact that, uh, her demise was going to happen, uh, which is very, very sad because she was, uh, I think she was a good actress. Uh, she brought a lot of emotion to her roles um, and she was very cute to look at. Well, and people in the inner circle with a lot of these uh, folks, and you wonder how it happens over and over again, because there's that whole, what, the 27 or 29 year old club for rock and roll where it's Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison. and it's just kind of a, well, it happens that people can't handle the fame right. that, uh, I mean, and now. Well, I think there's good reason for it is that they skip out on their late teens and their early twenties. Um, when somebody becomes famous too early in life. Yes. I, I don't mean like child actors. I mean, in their teens, like, uh, you know, Brittany, for example, was, uh, famous. At that age, I think Madonna didn't get famous until she was in her mid twenties. But, um, when it happens at an early enough age, you still have that general feeling of trust the adults. They're going to take care of you. They know what's best. Yeah. Britney Spears found out about that. She sure did. And so a lot of money that is paid for the performance of these young women gets squandered and stolen by adults who really are not doing things in the best interest of the performer. And I think that was true with Amy Winehouse. I think it was true with, after watching this movie with Brittany Murphy, I think it's definitely true with Brittany Spears. I think it's true with a lot of these and not just women too. I mean, this happens to guys as well. Um, but a lot of bad decisions get made along the way 
and the performer is just clueless. See what I did there right. about uh, about catching these bad intentioned adults and preventing them from doing something. And I know that Enter, uh, Entourage was one of your favorite TV shows, and I think it did a very good job of of demonstrating the conflicting desires of people that are involved with somebody that and I, I'm not even necessarily famous, but somebody that can generate a large amount of money, right. like a movie star or musician or whoever, because they're, uh, they, there are plenty of ways they can be taken advantage of. Oh yeah. That are not illegal, but nonetheless are clearly one directional. They're right. just, Take money away from them and give it to somebody else. You know, they're more than happy to hire their buddies to be their driver, security, whatever it is. Well, that's, uh, that's not the stuff I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing deals like, oh, yeah, you got to market this vodka. It's the next best right. thing in the market. You, right. you, you ought to go all in and put a million bucks in here. It's that kind of stuff. Hey, buy this new Dogecoin. It's, it's going to break the bank. It'll just jump in value like crazy. Well, right. Because when you know somebody has that kind of cash, that makes it so much easier for. Anybody with a harebrained scheme mm-hmm. that thinks, hey, if I just had a million dollars, I could do X, Y, Z. And then it's like, well, my buddy's got a million bucks. Or even just connect. There's plenty of people, and I've met a few of these folks, that literally make their living connecting people with money and, more importantly, people with recently made large sums of money to people looking for money. And so they'll become the best friend of the person with money in a heartbeat. And then as their best friend, get them in on a limited time deal with limited access, where literally that is how they've been making their money, their living for years, is by uh, working effectively for companies looking for money and then finding suckers. I mean, finding investors. (laughs) Investors, right. That's the proper word. To be able to bring them in. Uh, and and the dumber the investor, the better the deal. Yeah. And when you have the money, you know that you're the target. Yeah. And so it makes total sense why somebody like Britney Spears' dad would say she's not capable of managing that herself. I need to manage her money. You know, but the how problem did that, is how did that even one get of done? those people. Yeah, how did that He's get literally done? literally one of the people stealing money from his daughter. When she became an adult, how did that get? I understand if you're underage and you've got a kid, but how did this continue so late into her life? Well, it started late. It started after she shaved her head and was running around without panties. Ah, okay. So then that and it was, was basically a- an argument saying she is incapable of understanding right from wrong, good from bad, of managing her money and her children. And I'm sure that the fear of losing her kids was put upon her as a reason to sign over this document that grant, because this is, doesn't happen without her participation. Right. She signed over those rights of guardianship to her dad. And I guarantee you that the way that deal was made was under threat of something and most likely her kids. Like, if you don't do this, then we're going to help uh, your uh, estranged late husband to take full custody of the kids. We'll be on his side. Yeah, I mean, it's just a shame that this happens as often as it does for people that are, I mean, some are incapable of doing. I mean, the the proper way to do this, and this is not legal advice, and we need to make sure that's in the bumpers to the show, but the proper way to do this is to set up a blind trust and to make sure that the trustee in the blind trust 
is not a friend of the family. It is an impartial third party, preferably lawyer, and somebody that can administer this without having any personal tie-ins or financial tie-ins beyond just simply the trustee payment to the trust. And then whatever income is earned by the performer goes into the trust and the trust makes regular payments to cover bills because it is so damn easy for these people who are generally overly emotional as all performers are, whether they're actors, musicians, artists, you name it. If you're good at that type of craft, you're usually shitty at being logical and, and really, uh, pessimistically looking at people's interests. Right. You're not like, good at the business part, which is why so many at, people yeah. get taken advantage of. You're not good at the business part. And, and you probably think that the greedy corporations are evil, but you know, this other dude that's wearing flip flops and has a, a buddy that's going to start a new vodka company that he is clearly got your best interest at heart. And what that guy in the flip flops wants is to be rich enough to have his own business. Right. So it, it's, it's just dumb. And if more people did it this way, and just set up these trusts, uh, not legal advice, then I would certainly think we would hear fewer stories of all kinds of bad shit happening from bankruptcies to overdoses to suicides to you name it for the artists. Because uh, ultimately, if you put your passion and your your love, your, your greatest uh, abilities into something, into creating something from scratch that's brand new and preferably doesn't have guitars in it, then you're <laughs> going to be uh, extremely, extremely depressed when you realize that other people took advantage of, of what you just put into this simply to take your money and make themselves rich. Well, and a lot of times that takes years. Like uh, Billy Joel was another one where it's like you wake up one day and you realize the guy well, you wake up one day and you is, realize you ran over two people but yeah well i mean there's all sorts of different problems you can have mm-hmm. the money disappearing was kind of a different concept but you know nobody's perfect sometimes no. you run over people gene i mean come on self-driving I'll cars do this the for number, you <laughs> they never run over people no i'll bet you the number of people that adam interviewed when he was on mtv who still have over one million dollars in the bank right now you could probably count those on one hand that is probably true we know about the mega group still performing although they're not making anywhere near what they were in their heyday but still performing still making good money but a lot of those people that were at the top of the charts on mtv they they don't have you know they may not even have 100 grand to their name oh yeah they're doing normal jobs Uh, if they're lucky yeah 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 like uh i mean this is not a musician but it's an example just came to mind a friend of mine is friends with Sean Young, who is the, uh, you know, probably the highlight of her career was she was the chick in uh, Blade Runner. Um, you remember her? The name's familiar. I don't remember. Yeah, she was, she was very attractive back in the 80s, early 90s. Uh, she was also in uh, uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Pet Detective movie. Um, she was in a number of things, but she, she kind of had this very classic kind of hollywood startup look to her uh and in the original blade runner actually she was in both she was she was uh her likeness was used in the remake of blade runner as well well this is how it's going to start being made now yeah you're never you're never gonna die yeah yeah yeah. so she was very happy about that because she literally got paid 
you know, uh, high six figures for simply a computer version of her. It's good work was, if you can get a, it. That was a great deal for her. But anyway, so she lives here in Austin. Uh, and her husband, it, like, is a, I believe he's like a, like a furniture builder or something. And, you know, like they're making maybe 150K a year. He doesn't work. Uh, you know, just stay, stay at home mom kind of type. And it's like, this is, she doesn't have millions in the bank. The, the money she just got from Blade Runner, uh, sequel was a huge chunk of change for her. But back in the day, you know, they'd be squabbling about how many millions she's going to get for a role. So it, that, that shit happens to everybody, actors, actresses, musicians, uh, you name it. Probably the only people that get screwed their entire life are typically painters. You know, people that create something that is completely not valued while they're alive and then gets purchased for reasonably small amounts of money, maybe a few thousand bucks a painting. And then uh, once they're dead, it's like, oh, my God, this is uh, such amazing work. This is worth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And we have tons of examples of that. I don't sound too bitter about that. Do I? Are you an artist? Is this the problem? You're Am trying I to- an artist? <laughs> no, no I, I no longer say that. I just don't even bother saying that anymore. Sir Gene Galleries. Come on. Yes, I, I've, I've sold plenty of art, but, uh, you know, none of it has made me particularly rich. Well. The problem with the people that make a lot of money, whether you're in entertainment or whatever, is no matter how much you make, that's what you spend. A vast majority of people, um, not, yes. not everybody, some people are smart enough to go, hey, I'm making 50 million a year doing whatever, but I know that's a very limited thing. So I'm going to invest wisely. Sure, there's those types. And then oh, there yeah. are the other ones, you know, the rappers that you see, uh, they drop 400,000 at the strip club with their buddies one night. You know, it's um, it's the ability to spend money grows very quickly as your earnings grow yeah, and well, the yeah. expectations of spending money grows. You can't you can't show up driving a Beamer. If you just did something that people publicly know is worth millions of dollars. Unless you're Warren Buffett, right? You he better drove show like up in the an Ferrari. old Toyota or something. Well, there's a whole that that there's a group of people that have the personality of contrarianism where the richer they are, the shittier they dress and the worse their car is. And I know a few of these guys as well. Like they'll they'll, they'll be with a smile on their face, very proudly telling you about you. About the 1994 Chevy that they drive. What they don't tell you is they drive that to take a private plane. Well, yeah. To fly to their cottage in Montana. You certainly are not going to fly commercial. Well, no. Why? My God. First step is that you stop flying commercial and you only take private flights. But the clear, obvious next step is we got to own your own plane. You can't just be, you know, using net jets. Wow, DigiGuru tracked down your art at Fine Art America. So this is this is some stuff. Oh, okay, good, good. Buy something. <laughs> yeah, see if that's it's good, it's good that you found it. Now purchase. Exactly. Now buy some shit. I got I got a lot of stuff that's not listed, obviously, and uh, uh, most of the stuff that I have sold has been sold to uh, what do you call them? Uh, like the people that are hired to to decorating and decorators. Uh, that's it professional decorators 
exactly they're like i exactly. like your look uh, that you bring to the to the house and uh but if you buy some stuff i'm sure gene would be more than happy I, to i've always and, i've always kind of joked that uh, art is really just expensive wallpaper well it is mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it doesn't even cover the whole wall it's, so it's kind it's of not a even rip-off. it's not really even a joke it's just true <laughs> yes <laughs> it's just reality something art is yeah people just yeah but most up. so i've i've done i can't remember what i even had listed on that side but i've done uh Probably for about 25 years, I've done photography and uh, done a lot of large format, like, you know, 40 by 60 size uh, photographic images in nice frames. And then uh, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I, I got more into painting and started doing that. And I've got obviously a lot fewer of those paintings, but uh, I've sold a few of them. Um, I also unfortunately bought too many paintings that other people have done <laughs> well so, see then you want them to buy yours it's like uh, i got well i mean it'd be nice but at this point i'm starting to wonder if i should just get rid of the ones that i have bought because a lot of them are just in storage there and i haven't hung up which one's more fulfilling photography or painting photography is less frustrating uh photography requires more planning though because it's like there's pros and cons to both so when you're painting i always feel like it's never finished because in my mind's eye, it still looks a little differently than, than what I can do uh, on the canvas, no matter how close I get to what I'm imagining. Um, if I do a photograph, it'll look exactly the way that I see it uh, when I look through the lens. But it takes a lot more planning and preparation. Like there was a shot that I, I wanted to do in... Um, in uh, phoenix uh that that aligned a cactus on top of a mountain with the moon uh at sunset and i there were it only happens twice a year so i had to figure out when it happens and then go out there and a day earlier plan for the shot get the exact placement of the tripod and make sure i had multiple cameras so there was no issues with it uh you know plan everything and then come out the next day to actually do the shoot and i had about five minutes worth of time to capture uh, as many photos as i could to get the right one that i would ultimately end up using well yeah and if then it's when raining. people see that they're like oh yeah if it's raining you're <laughs> fucked but luckily in phoenix good it's not really a worry um but it's one of those things where it when you see really neat real photography and i by real i mean not photo manipulated in photoshop right because that would be my uh, which is a question. whole different art form like it that is art it's just not photography when you do composite images um they can be very artistic but you you stop in my mind being able to call them photographs because they're not photographs they are compositions they're they're made of a composite of photographs uh we used to call these things collages back in the day and they produce a brand new image that never existed in reality that is made up of actual photographs. So that's, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. It, it's as long as people differentiate that from actual photography. Um, and that was one of the things like that I was involved in a group that was called, I think, Through the Lens. And it was a group for people that, uh, all posted non edited photographs. So, as it came out of your camera is how it looked. The only thing you can adjust 
uh, is the brightness and contrast, which you can adjust right in the camera. Right. And for old school, and I used to do photography back when we actually did film uh, or slide film. Um, and there again, you would adjust the brightness and contrast through chemicals and the amount of time that you're washing. But your the the end result had to come out of the camera without any digital manipulation. Um, and it, it's just a fun little fact. Uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people know who Ansel Adams is. Oh, yeah. One of the most famous photographers uh, for nature. Well, even people who know nothing about photography, they probably heard that them. name. Right. And he, he he did a lot of uh, a lot of photos that really sort of were the the most classical images of the old west the the colorado mountains the utah uh sandstone the you know all these things were absolutely beautiful most of them are black and whites because uh, he lived for well 100 years ago at this point um and he was also one of the guys that was sort of you know, not looked at particularly fondly by photographers of the day because he was a photo manipulator. Right. Uh, he is well known for using dodging and burning techniques and really creating composite images even back then, which is taking multiple images, stacking them, reshooting them onto a single image, and then printing that um, in order to achieve the results he was going for. So if you see a moon... And Ansel Adams' photo, that moon may very well have been on a whole different night or a different location than the one that's in the photo. At the time, that was genius, though, because it was oh, art. Cutting because, edge, man. That was cutting edge. You know, so the question is, has Photoshop helped or hurt the whole concept of photography? It's, it's clearly helped commercial photography tremendously. Most yes. photography is commercial photography, not artistic. Uh, it's not mean, fine art of. photography. Yeah, I did fine art photography. I tried doing commercial photography. I didn't like it. Um, some people may even know I had a photo studio here in Austin for about three years and then converted to a podcasting studio for about a year <laughs> because, you know, I was doing so many podcasts. I was so busy, but yeah. it was kind of fun. Just, we, we did some meetups in Austin where Adam came in and talked about the origins of uh, podcasting and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I really, I, I had a photo studio in Dallas as well. So there's a lot of stuff that, um, that you could do in a studio that you can't do outside of the studio. You can control the environment a lot more, but ultimately the stuff that I've sold the most of has been, uh, it's been photos of cityscapes. I mean, that's probably been the number one thing that, uh, that interior designers have purchased is just these large format photos of different cities. Right. Because they're great for decoration. Yeah, it's just nice wallpaper. And Photoshop, I mean, it's great if you're the guy taking a family portrait. Yeah. You know, it's very easy to cover up a few sins, which uh, you couldn't do that before Photoshop. Are you familiar with any of the new stuff that they put in this over the last year or two with all of the, I think they call them neural filters? No, some very strange stuff. I have to see what's in because they it just updated to the latest version of Photoshop. Well, you got to use AI. Everything uses AI these days. I right. started using Photoshop back when it used to be a black and white app. So in version one point something. Yeah. Uh, I remember I went to SIGGRAPH in 1984. SIGGRAPH is the uh, computer imaging special interest group 
and they did an annual show back then. I don't know if they still do. This is back when like the number of people that were into using computers for imaging was tiny. And it was mostly people that were doing magazines or books or, you know, creating something that's printed. And then they would use uh, computers to achieve that instead of old fashioned techniques. Uh, uh, so they were on the cutting edge of that. And that show also, I think, debuted the, uh, the Mac 512, which was like huge amount of memory back then, 512 kilobytes. <laughs> it seems like pathetically tiny these days. I think the calculator in Windows takes more memory than that. Well, yeah, you got uh, the memory. You may as well use it. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It's pathetic. We used to do so much like Word on the Mac, Word 1.0 which did everything that Google Docs does, frankly. You could change fonts. You could, you know, move uh, your tabs over to where you needed them to. And it was visually accurate to what would come out on paper. That whole app took about 200K on disk and took less than 200K in memory. Yeah, but it didn't have all the bloatware. It didn't have all the bloat, right? That's exactly it. The amount of bloat has been insane. And now, uh, just like literally yesterday, I was playing, because uh, we now we can move in the gaming segment. Well, now, before we get into the gaming segment, one, DigiGuru wants to know if you ever used an 8x10 view camera for shooting? No, never did an 8x10. Um, I did use a um, uh, 4x5. And the neural stuff, very bizarre stuff. One, it does a pretty decent job of colorizing black and white photos. I was surprised mm. at how close it could get. I mean, it looks a little washed out, mm-hmm. but it guessed a lot better than I would have assumed. But the weirdest one, it will find the face and change the expression. So it'll like, if you, uh, yeah, it's yeah. very weird and very freaky. It'll move the eyes a little bit, the mm-hmm. gaze one way or the other. If you're mad, it'll put a little smile or vice versa. and this just again with all the other deep fake stuff that yeah. I've been talking about over the last couple of years. It's like this is just another tool that yeah is, they they've gotten really good at doing that. It's it's you can't trust anything you see. You can't trust any photo you see. No, you can't trust any audio you but hear. No video. No, that's necessarily a bad thing. Maybe not because now it's like that's it's not evidence. Somebody caught you on video, be like, nope, deep fake. Nope. Deep fake, exactly. I, I think, yeah, you can, as long as you make the assumption that nothing's real. Yes, nothing is real. Off. And uh, it's, it's scary, the, the stuff that's being built into this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so game. Uh, so yesterday I started playing, uh, what the hell is it called? Another uh, new game? You're not so far into your space quest that uh, there's time <laughs> for a new game? Well, I just, I, I, I don't know. I was kind of in the mood. I was feeling like I wanted to uh, try something that is just came out. I haven't really played brand new games for a little while. Um, So I ended up getting Far Cry 6, which um, I think actually came out a few weeks back. But but I've played all the Far Cry games from the first one and then, you know, two, three, four, five, and now six because they're really enjoyable. They're open world. You you have giant maps. Uh, if you haven't played Far Cry, it's kind of like a more artistically realistic looking version of Grand Theft Auto. So it's similar in the sense that you have huge open map, 
you have a bunch of missions to do in any order you, you like to do them in. There is a central storyline as well. <clears throat> but unlike Grand Theft Auto, which is really predominantly taking place in cities and highways and with some occasional departures from that, this game takes place on a Caribbean island that's sort of like a Cuba type place. And uh, you're one of the guerrilla fighters. Um, and the environment's realistic, but it's got everything from fishing to hunting to uh, liberating villages from the bad government that's in power. Uh, it's got all that kind of stuff in there. And people play this for fun? Well, why would you? What else would you play it for? Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I don't play video games. One, crappy eyes. Two, the. When all like the Grand Theft Auto came out, I've mentioned this before for those who have yeah. listened to other shows, it makes me motion sick and like a heartbeat for some reason. Well, so interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. So it's not, uh, well, maybe we'll talk more about video games, but like, tell me, I told you what I saw recently that I like, tell me what you saw and I'm going to pour myself a quick drink while you're doing that. So keep talking for a minute. I just finished Entourage, which again, watching I watched Entourage earlier. I just finished the, oh. uh, so with oh, this the series. Whole thing. Yes, finished with the five seasons, and the only thing I don't like about the series, and I haven't rewatched the movie yet, because there was a movie, and that was actually decent from what I remember. What I didn't like is that it seemed like they were getting to the end of the final season, and they tried to wrap up like three seasons worth of ideas into the last three episodes, and that kind of seemed like it jumped the shark a little bit but that's what i've been watching and old television seems to be better than new television there's nothing new that i've been watching except the goldbergs i still like watching the goldbergs but i don't think there's anything else that is an active show that i've really been paying attention to i mean i I did watch ted lasso we talked about that before yeah i stopped early and watching it you know i did watch the uh the mission uh, quest, whatever that was called. Uh, Mythic. Mythic quest. quest, yes. And I thought that was decent, but I hate these short seasons. I'm thinking of going back. Were you a fan back in the day of 24 with Kiefer Sutherland? So, you know, I've never watched a single episode of 24. Really? And I've always thought that there was no point in starting, like, after they already kind of made it big. I, I want to wait until I can watch the whole thing at once. And binge watch it. So, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll watch that if you watch that. That would be great. Because the first season I remember being just fantastic. Rush Limbaugh back. I'm surprised because he was big when 24 was originally on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And you weren't watching. But that would be a good show, I think. To, yeah, uh, I didn't have a TV. Oh, well, see, you were, you were an artist. Well, I was, I was also married. Oh, well, uh, and... and- do we want to talk about why you're not anymore or can people yes, just because assume? I wanted to be an artist damn it. because I wanted to, and you wanted to play video games and I needed to be set free much more likely that you just wanted to play video you know games. an artist has got to have a muse right and having anyone for some reason the wives don't like that for any length of time well unless it's them I mean you could go that route it's never them you could just be happily married Jean I mean you could try that oh I was happy enough for well, a while. but she wasn't I guess apparently that'll happen that will yeah, happen. I don't. I mean, it's like, hey, it's uh, the, just just because uh, I need somebody to kind of stir up my emotions for being artistic. 
Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. her. I don't see why that's a reason to get divorced. But no, all right, whatever. No, of, of course not. Digi is reminding me that Curb Your Enthusiasm just started a new season, and I have it never did. seen. I've and never I, seen I watched, it. Yes, I watched the first episode of that, and it is so far so good. I'll put it. They on always the list. are. I think they're in their twentieth year. Somebody I have believe. A lot. Oh, see, then I can binge by next episode. I can have like. The whole thing. Yeah, well, it's a, you got to watch all of them. Is it one of those that you can do that? Because there are some series that you could watch in like a weekend. Uh, no, I think their earlier seasons had a lot more episodes. I think the, the last seasons were all 10 episode seasons. But the, the first few seasons, I think, were 20 episodes or which thereabouts. Is, which is better than these little six yeah. to eight to 10 episodes. I, uh, I think the six to eight just leaves you wanting the next, I think this is, they figured out this is how you get a season two or three. Right. And then usually they don't know what to do and it crashes yeah. and burns after that. So if you've made it 20 years, uh, it used to be, well, don't, don't mistake 20 years for 20 seasons either. True. That's true. They, they only put out a season when Larry feels like it. So they take time off. So this is the 11th season. So, okay, so it's like a BBC show. Well, but the first probably four or five years were every year. And then it's like every three years after that. That's a weird release schedule. But they get the full cast back. Because obviously There's it's literally, making money. Literally, it doesn't really matter. Larry made over $100 million off off of... Uh, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I guess it's one of those things. If you can do it. He he's. I think this is what he wanted to do with Seinfeld. Just keep and continuing except, on, except that you know Seinfeld was on Seinfeld, and Seinfeld wanted to do Seinfeld the way Seinfeld did Seinfeld, but Larry wanted to do Seinfeld the way that this is. So now this was his uh, opportunity to do that, and the the real story is literally documented in a comedy special. So if you if you go to the genesis of Curb Your Enthusiasm, what you'll find is before there was episode one, there was a a faux documentary that was shot. And the faux documentary was called, uh, you know, Larry David something, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that's what and, led to this. And it led to the show. But the documentary was in real life a suggestion that he got uh, from the guy that plays his manager on the show for the last 20 years, uh, which is, uh, his in, it's, uh, Jeff green. And, um, he, he had basically after Sai after Larry had been just doing nothing for a while after Seinfeld, he was talking to Larry and he's like, you know, you kind of seem like you're, you're a little lost and not having something to do. Do you want to write a book? What do you want to do? And Larry said, oh, I kind of want to do stand up." I haven't done stand-up since before Seinfeld. I kind of want to maybe go back and do it. And uh, apparently the week later, Jeff called up Larry and said, I have the perfect project for you. You want to do stand-up? We're going to get a camera crew, like a one-camera shoot, to follow you around to do a documentary of you, Larry David, going and getting back to comedy post-Seinfeld. And we're going to film the whole thing and it'll be funny because we're going to just record all these little funny moments that, that happen because, you know, clearly you doing stand up now after you made a hundred million is very different than you being a struggling New York Jew trying to do this. 
Right. Now, was it supposed to be an actual documentary or more like a mockumentary? A mockumentary documentary. It was always supposed to be funny, but it was based around the real concept. It was a way to kind of make some money while Larry is genuinely trying to go and get back to doing stand-up. Gotcha. So there was a nugget of truth. Oh, it was totally based on true idea. The, the, The thing that Jeff came up with was the idea of filming this process. And then using that as a kind of a, uh, a vehicle to help promote Larry and to do it in a nice, funny, comedic manner. And so he, so Larry said to him, okay, well, I'll do this, but only if you're in it as well. So you're not just going to give me this crazy idea that's going to add a lot of work for me. And then you're done. No, if you're going to do this, if we're going to do it, you're going to do it as well. You're going to participate. You get to play my agent on it. No, it's just a lot more fun just to have the idea than back away. Well, that's what I like to do. I've done that work. a lot of times. So yeah. I got the greatest idea for a podcast for you here. Let me tell you what you should do. Yes. And then, and uh, then uh, I'm done. And then, uh, so they did it. And in the process, like they literally didn't have a script for it. They were just shooting it and making stuff up on the fly. In the process, it became pretty evident that Larry really didn't like working. And so he didn't have a whole lot of interest in doing things that required uh, any actual work. He didn't want to do some stand up, but this, he got a deal with HBO. So HBO picked up this idea and then gave him money to do it. And then in the, uh, in, it's very meta in the pre first episode in, in the documentary about doing it, they go to HBO to sell HBO on the idea of doing Larry's uh stand up one man special and having it on HBO because HBO comedy does that for comedians. And they're like, yeah, that'd be great. Then you know we could tie in the whole Seinfeld thing and Larry's like, eh, and then don't really want to have anything to do with Seinfeld. So they're like, great. Well what's the show going to be about? It's like, well I'm I'm working on it. We'll figure something. <laughs> well Seinfeld and, disappeared too. I mean what happened to that uh, guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um well, and if you want to catch up on Seinfeld, that was a couple of seasons back on Curb Your Enthusiasm. They redid Seinfeld. Nice. They brought all, brought everybody back from Seinfeld to shoot one more final episode. Uh, and then, of course, the whole season was about that because that creates a whole lot of, you can imagine, stress and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Well, In fact, also because Seinfeld is one of the most revered series that's happened in my lifetime. But. Everybody yeah. hated the ending. It was always a little, a little, a little hokey. Yeah. Uh, it, to, in my opinion, it like, it felt like it was, if it was, if Seinfeld was on HBO, it would have been a much better series because along with the swearing and, and the more gratuitous sex stuff, it would have been a little uh, edgier. It would have been edgier. The problems they tackled would have been, you know, a little more than just soup Nazi. Uh, it would have been, I think, a little more interesting, but it was on regular NBC. And so obviously they had a lot more, uh, limiting factors that, that see, I just did an, uh, see, there you go. That could be cut away. Yeah. But why cut it away? It's the warts and all are good. It makes it more real. Warts are horrible. You should get rid of them. Go see a plastic surgeon. It makes it so much more real, but it's in that category. Good (laughs) to that category of shows that. You know, it's 10 o'clock. You want to watch a show or two before you go to bed and not really think about it. That's Seinfeld. That is any of the classic, you know, like the Honeymooners used to be that. 
Um, yeah. And the, Zoom to the moon, Alice. To yes. the moon. Dobie yes. Gillis. I used to love watching Dobie Gillis. Oh, I like Dobie Gillis. That was a fun show. That's yeah, another yeah. fantastic show. We could bring that back. Oh, my God. Dobie Gillis remake? Dude, we got to buy that domain right now. <laughs> Dobie. I'm sure nobody owns that right now. I'm telling you, that would be a fantastic show. Tuesday then, Wells was in that. I mean, just a fantastic show. Well, and and Bob, uh, what's his face? Yeah, Gilligan. Bob Denver. Yeah, Gilligan. Bob Denver. Yeah. Before he was Gilligan. Before he was Gilligan. Yep. As the as the unkempt uh, jazz bebopping kind of beatnik. Just, yeah, beatnik. It was absolutely. I mean, really, that was an interesting show when you want to look at. Uh, you know, I don't believe that the show is real life you know kind of like leave it to beaver but it's really interesting looking at television Who's the, the kind of short-haired gal in there i can't remember her name in uh in uh the uh doby gillis and doby gillis wasn't that tuesday wells the like was the it? girlfriend uh she was blonde. very masculine I no oh no right um yeah i know who you're talking about but the I, lesbian chick right she's not really she, a lesbian she, but no she i think she was, was a lesbian yeah yeah which, but, which, I mean, it was alluded to that she's a lesbian, but not really talked about. But the actual actress was, in fact, yeah. Well, that's refreshing. I mean, it's also cultural appreciation for yes, Zelda. Zelda. Yes, okay. Zelda. That's exactly her. The fact I that people her. in the yeah, troll yeah. room know that, but they didn't know what you were asking for earlier. Oh, they did. They just were fucking with you. Maynard G. Krebs. That's right, DigiGuru. Mm-hmm. That was that was just a fantastic show. Yikes. That's right. Those are good, good times. Good times. Uh, television these days, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired. Well, it's one, everything's woke. And two, it is just so much. We're back, you know, again, leave it to Beaver, Dobie Gillis. You know, they're Dragnet. not. Well, yeah, but you know, they're not acting like normal people did at the time. Those That's scri- totally the way people were normal back those then. Those scripted shows, they are not. You know, in the idealized world, they were sure. Well, right. In the idealized world. Now, the problem is the shows are showing what people are actually like, I think, because there's no creative writing going on. And oh, are you kidding? There's tons of creative writing because every good good guy character has to be uh, a lesbian black woman these days. Well, diversity. It's in the name of diversity. Yeah. And and it's amazing how things that men have to spend literally years and years honing their craft in these 20 something year old women can just walk and pick up and do better i love the rachel That's levine thing so much fiction i mean how would you like to be a woman and watch that rachel levine is the first woman that did xyz yeah i mean you ought to be proud that your sex is being represented <laughs> I'm sorry, not your sex, just your gender. Well, right, correct. I mean, that's we have, we have to use the right terminology, Gene, or they might yeah. put you in the corner. Gender is bullshit. That's I want a T-shirt that says that. Gender is bullshit because it's going to confuse people on every level. It's like, wait, does that mean that he's like super liberal and right. for gender, or does that mean that he thinks people that talk about gender it's bullshit? Like, see, I like things that are ambiguous like unrelenting like unrelenting like what does that mean the show is unrelenting but but what does it really mean though it's unrelenting it's going to take years for people to figure this out well they will talk about it and they will try to decipher yes well they'll talk about it but more importantly they'll give us money (laughs) i don't know if that's how the whole thing works oh dude that's the most important thing because you can't enjoy something without wanting to make a donation 
Well, it is the world that you live in. Now, people are getting used to that, which is another big shift with music, which is yeah, you don't go out and buy an album for every song you got to pay. Well, you're old and I do, too, when it comes to vinyl. <laughs> But who's buying CDs today? Okay, Troll, when's the last time you bought a CD? Here's what, I'll tell you what I do. If I hear something I like, a song, or they're not even songs necessarily, a piece of music, I will go on iTunes, I will find what album it's on, and I'll buy the whole album. That's not buying an album. That's giving Apple money. Well, no, it's giving the artist money. Apple gets 30% of that. Bull Moose suggests the show could be called the Ambiguously Buy Duo. I mean, we could we could cover a lot of ground with that. We we could, but isn't ambiguous and by sort of, you know, don't confuse people, Gene. Okay, you, you don't want to confuse people. Not yeah, good. That's why I think the ambiguous is enough. You are uh, unrelenting. Yeah, clearly, the, clearly, he's thinking back of the Saturday Night Live cartoon. The oh, the androgynous Pat. No, the ambiguously gay superheroes. Oh, I don't remember this. See, I. I checked out of saturday night live about the time i turned like 15 or 16 that this would have been probably right around the time you were 15 or 16 yeah 85 86 and that then, cartoon uh, was i it was in the 80s yeah i think maybe maybe now you know what it was probably early 90s yeah that i think in the 80s me. that would have not have been allowed on on uh saturday night live yeah back in the 90s i was getting but there was late, they had so. like a cartoons that started happening on saturday night live and uh one of those cartoons was this couple of superheroes um maybe it was more than just a couple but but i remember that they had a a theme song thing and it was like the ambiguously gay superhero or something or ambiguously gay twins or something like that but it was where the superhero was very effeminate but not like you you couldn't quite say oh yeah clearly he's gay it's just like is he gay i mean i think he's gay but I don't really know. You've met people like that, haven't you? Yes. I've absolutely met people that I was shocked. Shocked, I tell you, when I found out <laughs> they had a wife. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. He has a white, like a female wife, like an actual woman wife. You got to be kidding me. Because uh, they <laughs> present themselves as so over the top flaming. And then you're like. Oh, but you know, when I, I blah, 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 my wife, yada, yada. I was like, what? By wife, you mean like the guy that lives with you or? <laughs> right. Is that just? It's like, uh, no, no. You know, Jenny, my wife, here's a picture. Your terminology. Yeah. Is she, I mean, did she used to be a guy or cause that's a damn good plastic surgery if that's the case. But no, there are amazingly completely gay guys out there that happen to be married oh, to a yeah. uh, straight woman. I had an English teacher in high school. Oh, I did too. He was flaming. Pretty right. And now completely. This was something. I mean, I think you wore a wig too, but that's irrelevant. He was bald. Mine was definitely. Did we go to the same high school? <laughs> I don't think so. Would you that you weren't in Chirac? Did right? he make you? Did he make you learn uh, Greek? No, but he was always like, "Guys, come on, uh, stop that verbiage." I mean, very, very. That sounds much. pretty gay to me. Yeah. And we we did a a thing a a retreat. Sorry, I mean that that sounds very nonsense to me. Yes, I mean, that's always what uh, we took from it. But you know, as being uh, good Catholic boys at mm-hmm. an all boys school, you, oh well, half the classes gain on. Well, there you go. Um, but we did a retreat, and I remember sitting there with 
the one guy who was a uh, you know was just more of like an advisor or whatnot, but he was the the real. And when gruff. you say sit, you mean on his lap? No, I meant okay. we were sitting there like over lunch, and uh, he, he was this the gruff guy. He was the guy that uh, there were like these they called them like condos, but there was like probably ten kids in each area, and there were multiple rooms. But that is, you know, we were all just sitting around, and it, he came out of his room, and there was one guy that was r- pretty much wrapped from head to toe in toilet paper and and smoking a cigarette and he just took a look and it's like you go to your own condo and that became a meme for for our school but we were uh, sitting there having lunch and somebody brought up this english teacher and you know the crotchety old dude he just kind of looks at us and he's like yeah when, when he got married we were all said to each other that uh, the only way this is going to work is if there's a pair of balls under that dress and i was just like holy crap this was like so out of uh out of Well, he'd love Dunlamin. Yeah, I guess. Uh but it was just like so out of the character for this guy to to say something like that that it's like, yeah, you know, absolutely right. But uh you know, a lot of people live lives, Gene, that maybe are uh not I'm co- not judging no. I, at all. I I think that there's a lot of a lot of uh gay people that used to be happier back when I met them in the eighties and nineties and gay people I meet today for various reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we have as uh, I I think we're going in the wrong direction, which is funny because the whole fight for, you know, equality and for people to accept this stuff. It's like, I do think that all of this constant pitting groups of people against each other is bad for everybody. Yeah. Bad for everybody, but that's where we're going. That's what's going down. What else you got, Gene? Anything? Or did your head disappear? I guess I should have that window open. I know the stream's been dropping. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I know the stream was dropping, so I thought your head disappeared. I thought it knew. No. Uh, I thought your clean feed had gone away. What else? Clean as ever. Clean <laughs> as ever. That's what you say. Mm-hmm. You, you were probably just browsing, looking at all the art that people were just buying. So now, now that they found you, they're like, oh, wow, this well, Gene I guy. To, I was trying to see if I could play that clip from Timcast that apparently I still can't. But see, oh, well, by the next episode, you will figure out how to play clips. I mean, I thought you <laughs> knew how to use your Motu. You thought I was a professional. I did. That was my <laughs> first mistake, I think. Right. Exactly. At least one of them. But what was it? What was in the Timcast clip that we really needed to hear? Or is it so good that we have to wait to hear it in his own voice? Well, I it, it can wait. It can wait uh, for sure. But I think just in general, the idea that things have been moving in a direction that is regressive, where there's more racism, not less. There's more sexism, not less. There are more of all the things that are considered to be unwanted today than there were a decade or two ago in the times that supposedly things were controlled by straight white men well right because the answer to racism is more racism the answer to sexism is more sexism and trying to fill quotas rather than just going by the simple edict of everybody's going to be judged by their abilities to do whatever job it may be yeah now it's oh you know we need uh we need a brown girl here. We need a man. Yeah, no, this is not going to work. It just it doesn't make sense that people are no longer when you stop treating people based upon who they are and strictly on 
the color of their skin or what genitalia they have. We've gone, we have regressed a long ways back from the freewheeling 80s. Yeah, it, we have, and it, it's, well, as I mentioned earlier in the recording, there's a, there's a very definite feeling that I'm getting that we're repeating history that has happened to other countries already, and that I really assumed would not be happening anytime soon in the United States, but it, it sure is feeling like it. And we're hearing and, it now. Did you have family that comes from? Russia, I'm assuming. I mean, recently. That- yeah, I do. I was born there. So, OK, so you've seen this firsthand. I mean, when did you, uh, you know, realize that this was the path we're going down here? Because I've heard a bunch of people. Well, from I mean, Russia. I remember it uh, from 1917. I remember it from 1934 <laughs> and I'm seeing it now. You are a vampire. But people that you know have come Shh. out of Cuba and Venezuela and Russia are all like, what's going on here we came here because this kind of stuff didn't happen here yeah yeah united states was built with the founding principles that were supposed to prevent this yes and they're still there but they're trying to uh quietly erase those they're they're utilizing panic in people's minds with a uh a minor disease to completely negate laws and be able to take over. And the problem is that these types of takeovers are one directional. Uh, it, it, it only takes a year or two for communism or socialism to take over a country's government. And it takes a hundred years or thereabouts for that to revert back. Yeah. And they use the same thing with, well, they tried to use it on guns. Every school shooting, that's it's the same way they treated the pandemic. It's just a different topic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But guns, I think guns are one of the things that stand in the way of a full takeover by any single authority. Um, Australia had a, 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 a gun uh, removal policy back from, I think, a decade or so ago, maybe longer, where they had a mass shooting. They started passing all kinds of laws that prevented lawful individuals from owning firearms. Oh, and incidentally, this reminds me of something that I, I think I posted on Noted on the Social, because uh, I know I posted on a few other forums, that uh, we don't know whether Alec Baldwin is a murderer. Uh, that's a legal question. But we do know that he has killed more people than every lawful gun owner combined. Because you cannot purchase a firearm lawfully if you have a um, felony on your record and even uh, a felony such as um, uh, manslaughter, you know, that that was totally not your fault. You hit somebody with a car, right. Would prevent you from owning a firearm. And so it's literally of the hundred plus million people that legally own firearms in the United States. He has killed more people than that number combined. And, the people on this movie. So the lesson is we had to ban people from Hollywood from owning firearms. Well, from definitely from using them. Yeah. Using in- owning like they should not touch guns. They're dangerous. That whole group of people is more dangerous than all the people that own legal firearms. Well, I mean, you did see that there was a the judge just ruled on the uh, the Kyle Rittenhauser case. Yep. 
that they can refer instead of you can't refer to the people that he shot as victims, but you yeah, can refer to them as rioters and looters. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. So we see where that's kind of going. That's a good sign. It's a good sign. We'll we'll see how that case plays out. Obviously, um, you know what? Th- there is something to be said for Kyle shouldn't have been there, right? But once you get beyond the question of should or would, well, since he was there, was what he did justifiable and legal? And the answer is yes. Not legal advice with Alec Baldwin. I don't understand how you don't have the responsibility as a human being just because somebody else handed you a gun and said it wasn't oh, loaded. Fully culpable for all of that. He has responsibility because as part of the custodial chain of firearms on the movie, part of the checklist is for the actor to check the firearm once they're presented the firearm. He didn't do that. We know that. He has responsibility as the producer of the movie for the overall safety of the crew, including himself as an actor. Uh, he is the one that's responsible for hiring the, um, uh, what's the term? The armor. They use? The armor. armor yeah. yeah, exactly. Who was a 23 year old girl who apparently was not particularly qualified to be in that movie. And said so on a podcast like yeah. a few months before. So. Yeah. Uh, nepotism hire. Um, he had also had a previous accident on that movie again with him as a producer of the film with a negligent discharge literally a week earlier. So we know that there's a history of not following proper protocol on this movie and, yeah. and taking and the so, gun out to have target practice with it with exactly. live rounds. With oh live my rounds. God. So there are multiple factors here that point to him, including the fact that he had held guns in multiple films before. And should know better than to point a firearm without doing himself doing the proper safety checks. And it's a catch-22. If he doesn't do the safety checks, he's negligent, and it's his fault. If he does the safety check and he still fires a live round, then he did a safety check, and he was the one that didn't catch that there was a live round, and it's on him as well. No matter how you slice this, he ought to go to prison. Yeah, manslaughter at the very least. Oh, yeah. I don't know that it's anything beyond negligent homicide, but he's uh, he's fully culpable of this being a fatal mistake, which he holds the ultimate authority for. Yeah, I don't see this being any different than the female cop. I don't remember what state city it was in that thought she had her taser in her hand and, and it shot was somebody. Her, right. Yeah. Yep. No different. Yeah. No different. Like she can't then blame her training for not being good enough. He can't, she can't blame her department for not requiring the taser to be on the other side as most departments have taser on the left gun on the right. Um, so there's a, I, I will, I'm mean, it's going to be interesting watching how he tries to squirrel out of this, what his lawyer comes up with. But in my mind, this is a very clear cut case of him being negligent both as a producer as an actor in the custody chain. Yeah, I doubt he'll do time, but he may get a lot of... It'd be of, nice, uh, though, if he did, because the fact that, uh, you know, rich white men like him get to get out of going to jail... <laughs> You're right. ...is something I'm, I'm not supportive of. I think... You're right. If he crime, was a black female or transgender actress, then this would be a different story, but he is a white male with privilege. Yeah, yeah, and we we need to push that rhetoric. We need to talk about Alec Baldwin's privilege and how that's the only reason that he's going to get out of this 
is because of his privilege. Right. Well, but not, yeah, and it's not just white. This is just Hollywood privilege. This rich is rich white. This is rich, liberal white Hollywood privilege. Yes. Yeah. Because he loves, and this Alec Baldwin, for somebody that's so anti gun, anti gun. Anti-gun. How yeah, does he use them in every money? Yeah. He loves to make money off guns. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the most perverse thing at all when yeah. you're going out yeah. there anti gun and then not thinking that the crappy movies you make where you glorify them mm-hmm. is. <laughs> causing people that like oh well maybe i should have a gun you know i just i don't well, get it. i don't think anything's causing anything but well i do think in this instance we know for a fact that he killed somebody yeah that's been and it may not be murder but he did kill somebody that's undisputable and he's got to live with that well hopefully in jail <laughs> for a long long time so we can't make any more of these crappy movies yeah and we can't really trust anybody in hollywood to handle guns these days that's for sure well, who do you really, who do you trust to handle guns? Anybody? I mean, uh, well, Clint Eastwood back in the day. Oh, well, yeah. Rawhide, another great series. Uh, I don't know about greats. I, I like Gunsmoke. I, I mean, I do like Gunsmoke, but Gunsmoke is more leave it to Beaver, where <laughs> Rawhide, I thought was a little grittier. Am I okay. maybe missing that? That's a, that's a story for another day. Little House on the Prairie, maybe? No, but Laura Ingalls Wilder is just on the banned books list because of uh, of writing, you know, uh, troublesome things about Native Americans. That's This is the world we're going to. You mean to. the Native Americans that used to skin people yes. alive and take their, their yes. uh, skin off their skull? Yeah. Yep. But, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't talk about them in books as no. being savages or anything like that because that's that's troublesome now well i think savage uh, somewhat dispels the uh responsibility because you don't expect the savage much like you don't expect somebody who's retarded to be able to make good choices but i think if you look at them as the warriors that they were with full authority uh of their own actions then the picture becomes much harsher than was being painted during the 50s and 60s when Westerns were all the rage. Yeah. Well, and I just can't believe that it's getting down to the point that Laura Ingalls Wilder is being targeted, that, uh, you know, stories like Huck Finn are being targeted. It's just, uh, you know, Disney, the you know, Song of the South, all this stuff. It's like, well, well no, I don't know. I've been old. trying to ban the New Testament for a long time because it portrays the, the Jews poorly. What about the Old Testament? Is that still okay? Well, that's actually written by the hand of God, so I can't really mess with that. See, at least there's something you won't mess with, Gene. No. No, that's dangerous. The Pope will kill you for that. Yeah, see, I know they pushed off the thing, him and Biden. I'm very curious to see what happens if Biden Dude, and the Pope I'm, get together. Like, the Catholics that I know right yeah. now yeah. are all very, very questioning of the Pope's legitimacy. Yeah, I'm one of them. I've been saying that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Don't like mm-hmm. this Pope. Don't like this Pope. Yeah. yeah I just like he's Latino. No, it's because he's a you socialist. Like <laughs> he's like, he's a socialist. The last one seemed like he was a Hitler. Well, not. He didn't seem like he was a Hitler hey, youth. He was a Hitler. He's youth. wearing a Che Guevara T-shirt when he was Pope. Doesn't make him a socialist. That's I think it does. I don't think you. Yeah, I think literally. It, yes, I think it would. I think <laughs> it would. But that's all I've got for today. I mean, OK. This all is, right, fair enough. Fair enough. I th- think uh, we can we can make this a short one today. Is it, we could be relenting. We can be relent. 
Yes, we can be unrelentless. Instead of being relentless. Ooh, I kind of like that. Unrelentless. <laughs> unrelentless. There's so many options. It just, the, the longer, the better, you know? Unrelentless thing. <laughs> no, th- then people start getting confused by how to f- spell the name. Yes. And the, what, what to do. What was the name of that show that Adam thought they would originally be called? Something similar to that. The, the who? The who would be called? No agenda. Before it was no agenda, one of the names he thought of sounded like unrelenting. Oh, well, I mean, you know. One word was a lot easier to get back then. One word's always good. Yeah, yeah. And like he got MTV.com, so that was pretty easy to get back then. Yeah, because it was it was free. That was the yeah. best deal ever. Totally free. Then he made a few bucks. But we've got a lot of things up and we got some plates spinning. I think we're going to try the whole locals thing because uh it, it seems like it is a place yes, we can I, uh, I think what we need to do and what we'll be doing is just trying to unify everything. I think there's been too many options as far as, you know, PayPal and Bitcoin and everything else people can help us with. We've had uh, too many, you know, like PayPal and all kinds of other things. And, uh, and really honestly, mostly using the uh, no agenda affiliated mechanisms. Right. And the I value think, for value model. Yeah. When the value for value model is great. Love the model. Um, but, there are new software tools popping up all the time. And I think that we can start utilizing something beyond IRC that will allow instant real-time communication, including video. Ooh. Ooh. People can video see if you're video. wearing pants. Well, maybe. They won't be able to tilt the camera down. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but, that camera uh, on a tripod. But having that, that bi-directional interaction, I think, is really cool. I, I enjoy when that happens on my gaming streams on twitch um oh yeah like, i enjoy I like being the- one of the people that participates on twitch and youtube with people doing live shows well yeah nick the rat's always fun to see you know and then yeah yeah watch his nick- video back and the the uh you know the text is baked into it and it's cool it is although nick the rat like totally ignores people that give him money as donations <laughs> I mean, give him more Ha-hum. give nick more he's not getting a goddamn dime from me any longer i realize it's all bullshit Send him you know, some I'm fine talking art. to him. I'm 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 doing a, a paid sub to him. And what do I see? Ah, he probably just pre-recorded the whole damn episode. It wasn't even live. It was just pretending to be live. That's what I'm guessing. That's why I think Nick the Rat. There is no probably Nick not the even Rat. live. He's not even real. He's CGI. Probably not. I'll bet you his ears aren't even real. They're probably <laughs> fake. It's all CGI. It's all a bit. Yeah, he's probably doing some kind of you know, like uh, AI bullshit with uh, CSB to make people think that it's actually probably a still photo. All it is is a still photo and a fake computer voice that doesn't even sound all good. Kind of sounds high pitched. So obviously it's computer generated. Now and that's his whole, up, that's yeah. his whole show. I've so, never seen Nick the rat and CSB I don't together, know, man. I've never seen them both together either. So what does that tell you? It is interesting. We'll delve yeah. into this next mm-hmm. week. Same bat time, same bat channel, or is it same uh, unrelenting time, same, same unrelenting channel? Yeah. And maybe yeah. we'll try video as well. Video is coming. Whether it's next week or not is uh, depends on how much testing we do. But video is definitely coming, and participation is going to get a lot easier. We've seen the comments from people saying, how the hell do you get into this whole IRC thing? And I know the... And they're like, why dude, aren't you in the IRC room, Gene? Yeah, well, I've been permaban out of the NRC room, so there you go, because some people like to permaban people, apparently. That's rightfully so. You know what you did. I know exactly what I did, and I sure as hell didn't deserve the permaban that I got for it. Hey, you, you, and, were, you, um, were, you were crapping on crypto. 
Yeah, what? Just because somebody craps on crypto means they're going to get permabanned? I mean, like three different friends I know have done that. So what? So um, people can't take a joke. Apparently, apparently, Mr. Pot. But so <laughs> I will. Uh, yes, Kettle. I'll be back. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Darren will be as well. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have lots more stuff for you guys, including an easier ability to interact with us during the show, pre-show, post-show. Uh, and we're definitely uh, going to figure out a schedule of how much pre-show we do before hitting the official record button. Because I do want the live stream people to be able to get, it's good to get a, a little more, yeah. a little extra, a little bit of extra. Uh, in fact, up. they can even ask for seconds and we'll have that as the post show for people that are listening. I've compared to people that are simply downloading the recording. Sounds good to me. We will be back later, everybody. <laughs>